following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. You are now listening to Lucha Outsider Show, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. At Lucha Outsiders, everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Lucha Here of the IWC, your boy, Mr. Radar, and our third man of the broadcast team. Where's, where's He's not here. Oh, come on! <laughs> He's come on, not here. He's not here. He's not here. Come on. Yep. You can bring it down. So, so no pew 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 today. No LLC today. Um. No, 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 no honor no. in ring. No. No, he's not here. Honor before um, dishonor. Double honor. Bacon cheese. So no? he pretty much right. So okay, let's backtrack. <laughs> let's backtrack a little bit. Let's backtrack a little. Raise my Bubble. vibes up. Raise Bubble. my vibes up. Bubble. Okay. So originally, this is what we had planned out. Ryan was actually going to come down today. Okay. Yeah. With especially what a perfect timing with everything that came out this week, right? Ryan perfect. was going to come down. We were going to be live in studio. Eight hours. All show. right. And uh, we were going to do the show and talk everything that's happened with the Ring of Honor, the Vince McMahon, everything, right? Ryan hits me up yesterday morning, ah, and I will not confirm and den- or deny that he caught something, <laughs> but pretty much he told me that he woke up to this. Congratulations. You played yourself. So, well wishes to Ryan. We miss you, bud. I hope you get better soon. But that doesn't mean we don't have a, a third, okay? Because we do have a third man on the broadcasting team. We do. Hit the music. We do. They gave us the shine. They gave us the rub early in the beginning. He is one half of the heel marks. Brady. Talk about a fucking intro, baby. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Scotty too hotty of Jace, people. Brady too hotty. Brady too hotty. God, if I only had that nickname in high school, man. My life would have been so much different. Brady, welcome back. We had to give you the hot tag because there's no other person besides Ryan, but there's no other person I thought was like fitting to do this episode with us than you. Appreciate you, brother. Always a pleasure being with the Lucha Outsiders. You guys are brothers from different mothers, sometimes of different colors. So, Oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. I'll start using that tomorrow. All right. Uh, give, <laughs> give me a minute before we get started because this hashtag Rebel time. <laughs> what flavor is that you got over there? Um, I got a Sancho strawberry pasta. apricot, right? That's oh, what it's called. yeah, you got that the other day. Yeah, it's right. really good. Really, I like really it. good. All right. All right. 
since you're the rotating third, Brady, I'm going to leave it up to you. Where do you want to start here? Do you want to start about the amazing show that we had last night, or do you want to talk about the Vince McMahon and everything that came out of there? I mean, let's see. I mean, I feel like on one hand, we're going to be raving a lot, talking about a lot of cool things that happened, like last night. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like another one is going to be different takes. I feel like, I mean, I don't know. I'm down to start raving. I'm down to start talking about the cool shit I watched last night, if you guys are. Okay, yeah, yeah let's talk about Ring of Honor. I'm definitely down baby. for that. Let's All right, it. so... This is the second pay-per-view under the Tony Khan realm for Ring of Honor, okay? Uh, taking over Ring of Honor. We had Super Card of Honor WrestleMania weekend, which was an amazing show. I added that show to my list of pay-per-views of this year. And this, and this show made the, the list as well. I thought this pay-per-view was ecstatic. Um, it definitely has like a new vibe to it, but still the old essence of Ring of Honor. Visually, it looks like AEW, like the way it was shot. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I'd say visually it looks like I always kind of wanted our uh, Ring of Honor to look. I mean, just how, it, I'll be honest, MVP for me for last night was that Ring of Honor crowd. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the commentary team did make note, sh uh, shouts out to Caprice. Yes. Uh, he noted multiple times that, you know, this, it's, it, it is Ring of Honor, but it is still an AEW crowd. Right. But at the same time, they were very into the Code of Honor. They were into most of the Ring of Honor wrestlers. I didn't really feel like they didn't know anybody. Uh, it just seemed like it was bigger, and I've always kind of wanted it to be. I hate when you go to what is considered to be a top-class world championship company. Right. You know, rings the Ring of Honor championship. They say they are a world champion. So when I go to that show, it should appear to be larger than life. And, you know, th that show, it really came across. And, you know, yeah, it, it had an AEW feel to it, but it also stid, still did have that heart that Ring of Honor did. I love that they're keeping with the Ring of um, the Code of Honor and that commentary puts it over how big that it still is to the company. So so I'm, I'm digging Ring of Honor in, in its infancy, in its new infancy. I don't want to talk about the pre-show too much, but I do want to mention just two quick things, um, unless you want to also add on to anything. I want to talk about how they completely, like, switched over, like, this whole Tully Blanchard Enterprises to now the embassy with Prince Nana. That legit Nana. came out of nowhere, which, personally, I don't mind it, but at the same time, it's like you guys were building the, this TBE, right? This whole stable with Tolly Blanchard, like, is something going on with Tolly Blanchard? Is he like not okay? What's going yeah. on there? Because like they were like they did that angle on Rampage with Jonathan Grisham and Tolly Blanchard where they joined for, uh, forces, and that was like what two, three weeks ago, and then out of nowhere they completely like scrapped it. They scrapped it and it went like another direction. So I don't, I want to know what's going on there. And then the second thing I wanted to point out, and I want to get your thoughts on this. So Willow, Willow Nightingale, a big fan of hers. I remember her days in Shine. But, man, this year alone, she's really having, like, her breakout moment. And she's been wrestling for a while, too. So good for her. I'm really happy for her with the stuff that she's done. Like, in not only just AEW and Ring of Honor, but she's also been doing work with MLW. She's been doing work with Impact, obviously Independence. So she's been all over the place. Yeah, no, I love Willow. Huge fan of hers. And it's so funny because it's you're 100% right. It's happening now. We're witnessing the breakout of Willow. Mm -hmm. But she's not really doing any one thing in right, particular. 
Right. It's just kind of she's finally on television Damn. where she finally, even when she's on AEW Dark or Elevation, at least she's got AEW kind of putting her clips out. So now more people are finally seeing her because, as you said, we've been watching her on the indies for how long? I saw her do an indie show just a few months ago, and then I watched her on AEW like the next week. Yeah. And so that kind of stuff is just very cool. And it's great to watch how infectious she is. Because she is one of those women where she just, she has all the tools. Uh, it, I feel like in the ring, she's she's in, continues to improve. She has and a great she, look. Amazing look. But she also has like a sense of charisma, like just where she does that little, that pump up thing. Yeah. Where yeah, she's you know, like, yeah. not really, you know, she just kind of, it's just, it's so cute and endearing to the point where it's just so hard not to cheer that when she's doing it. And I've seen her in, in a different, in different, in different settings, tag teams, singles, trios, and she's always able to stand out no matter what situation they put her in. So I do feel like right now it's just, it's just the beginning. I love see, watching her stand out. It, it's funny, AEW has this thing where it's not always the main eventers. It's not always the top guys that are the people we're talking about the right. next day. Right. Uh, for example, last week, I feel like the, the women, uh, Willow Nightingale and Jade and everyone else in that match, Athena, were, were getting talked about because that match, the only women's match on the card, kind of delivered. And, and really, especially that Jade and Athena uh, confrontation. So everyone's talking about it. Ricky Starks made sure that everyone was talking about him, yep. despite the fact these guys are not top of the card. So I think we're seeing this thing where sometimes you just need to put the right people on TV. Doesn't matter when, doesn't even matter how long, the right people are going to connect to the right audience. Any thoughts on the whole Tully Blanchard embassy stuff? That stuff is so weird to me. I'm just as confused as you are because, as you said, I was. I, it seemed that uh, FTR kind of broke away from Tully, and at the time, it seemed it was just because FTR was going the face route, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Tully is probably should be a heel role, or maybe they just wanted him that way. So we don't see him for a while. Then all of a sudden, he's he's revealing this stable to us, and it's like everything you said just poof out of nowhere, and now they go to Prince Nana. So yeah, it's a head scratcher for sure. I don't know if, if maybe the decision was that Prince Nana needed a spot in Ring of Honor and this was it. And maybe they just decided, listen, it'll probably be a little clunky in transition, but it's better for us to give this stable to a younger guy with a future out of him as opposed to using the legend to give them a rub. Maybe they thought having Jonathan Gresham in, in the group negated the necessary rub from a legend. Right. Like you, like you said, I, I am as just as lost as you are. I'm going to kind of just tune in and see where this goes. Wonder if maybe, uh, you know, for like with Max Dupree getting ousted out of uh, Maximum Male Models, you wonder if maybe he's going to be a wrestler now. So with Tully getting removed from this stable quietly, you have to wonder maybe he's getting a new stable. Maybe he's getting a new wrestler. Maybe Tully just said, you know what, I'm too old for this shit. And maybe <laughs> could be. That could be. That could be it. That could he's be it too. He's having a bowl. What a waste of like shirt designs and all that shit that was like on Shop Ring of Honor. Like, yo, they legit made all these logos and designs for nothing. Collectors items, bro. Collectors items. Yeah, like the Y two AJ shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, they well that was actually great because that was right, trolling. It was. It really was. It was because everybody was. was expecting Jericho to turn on him in a second. But boom, give him a t-shirt. Oh, wait, guys, it's real. It's real. It'll never happen now. It's a real tag team. So they, so they start at the main show 
which caught me by surprise. Like I legit, yeah. when I heard the music, I was like, holy shit. Like that was like legit my reaction. And they started with the world title match, Claudio versus Jonathan Grisham. I don't know if you noticed this. So Claudio came out, big pop, baby. Big pop for Claudio, Boom. right? Boom, big pop. When Jonathan Grisham came out, instant, I instantly knew. Even though he, I think Claudio was still favored to win the match. But when I saw Jonathan Grisham came, come out, I'm like, Oh, it's it's definitely 1,000% he's dropping the title and for many different reasons. One, you could tell by his facial reaction he did not look happy, okay? Yeah, I, I, always, I always judge entrance okay. facial reaction before it's, championship matches. He did not look happy. He kind of had the, the, the what, in, in, what do you call in wrestling world, the boo-boo face. Right. Uh, also, he didn't, co- didn't come out with the foundation flag and the octopus mask and his trench coat. He didn't come out with that either. Yeah. It was just the- I actually I, I so I was obviously I could do this when I was watching it live, but like this morning I pulled up the match, pulled up that entrance just so because I was thought maybe I turned and missed the octopus. Maybe he took it off or something. Mm-hmm. But like no, no entrance fanfare. And it was it was very it was in contrast to a lot of the other entrances we saw last night, like a lot of yeah. the other groups and entities got yep. great entrances, and I really mm-hmm. applauded the extra emphasis they put on making a lot of these Ring of Honor guys that are a little less known look like stars from the second you Jonathan see them. Jonathan Grisham gave yeah. two shits. Like they did the opposite with Grisham. And also, Prince Nana didn't come out with him either until later he showed up at ringside. Yeah. He was just kind of there. He just yeah. showed up. It was it was so weird. Very weird. And they also when when they made the announcement, he did the the announcer didn't say representing the embassy, Jonathan Grisham. He didn't say that either. Yeah, I, I almost feel like they threw Nana out there as a way of reminding, like letting people know, okay, he is still with the embassy because we've got Nana over here. But it did kind of almost seem like there was a chance that maybe Gresham's not in the embassy, but he's still with Nana. On like a separate tip, you know, that some of these managers will manage a stable, a team, a solo, all at the same time. So, yeah, uh, definitely Gresham situation. And also, not really a spoiler, but Gresham will be appearing on AEW Dark next week. So, just to give you like, I'm just throwing that up simply for the idea of where AEW is now kind of valuing him or showcasing him rather. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I do think Dark, they've been making an effort to make Dark more must-see. We saw Pac defend his championship right. on Dark. Right. Moxley's been on Dark as AEW champion. So nothing against Dark appearances. But I don't think Gresham was put on AEW nearly enough as Ring of Honor champion building up to this moment. Well, there, uh, there's a couple, So there's a couple issues here, right? Um, and by the way, the match, it was a good match between Claudio and oh, yeah. Jonathan Grisham. I feel like they could have gave them a little bit more time. That's my only... You think they rushed it? It just I think it was under 10 minutes. I think it was like a... a uh, like If it was not under 10 minutes, it just hit the 10-minute mark. I don't think it was, it was a long of a match. The only thing about it was, while I am happy for Claudio that he became world champion finally, right? Long overdue, um, in my opinion. I'm happy that Claudio got this moment. It just felt like Jonathan Grisham really didn't matter to me. Like, the way he was presented, the way the match occurred, it just felt like everything that Jonathan Grisham has done in the past couple of months when Ring of Honor was the the uncertainty of Ring of Honor, we didn't know where it was going. Mm -hmm. This guy was like, he he was the definition of Ring of Honor. Like, he was carrying that Ring of Honor 
like Mantle, like defending that world championship on Impact, on GCW, on Progress, all over the independents, right? So it's like, for him, I feel like they just kind of gave him the boot and like, all right, you're dropping the title, here you go. Like, it felt very... Yeah. It felt, let me put it this way. It was a big moment for Claudio, but it felt like an underwhelming loss for Grisham as champion while he was carrying this title for so long. My other issue is, while this Ring of Honor title is is a classic, right? This is the first incarnation of this title. Let's let's vamp it up a little bit. Let's do something to it cuz like we if you're if it's a world title it needs to matter, right? It needs to be a big thing. And this is while I understand why wrestling purists love this title design, we got to we got to vamp it up. We got to do something. We got to remix it. We got to do something. Add some gold to that bitch. I don't care what you do to it. Let's it, do something it with it. Let's make it let's make it matter. Let's make it a big thing and I hope Tony Khan does that. I mean, if we know anything about Tony Khan, it's he loves new belts. Oh, he loves it. He loves it 1000%. <laughs> his belt maker must be a member of his family the way he's paying that guy's rent or or woman's rent. I you know, no assumptions here. <laughs> so in regards to the Claudio Gresham, I, I agree with you, man. As I said, I feel like Gresham should have been on AEW television more with them showcasing what he's been doing as RH. Just even if you're not putting him in the ring, give him a promo on any one of your four shows. YouTube, TV, I don't care. But let him continuously be cutting promos. And just like that, talking about how he's got the entire company on his back. When Tony's just not giving them TV time and only giving them one pay-per-view, however many... I've got the championship, and I'm bringing prestige. Let him do those things. But we didn't really get that. Um, as for Claudio finally becoming world champion, it's funny. You say, you know, about time. I think we could have waited a little longer. And I say that to say this. Why is this, like, did we really need a – this guy just got here. Right, And you're right. not even giving us the story of can Claudio win the big one? You're not giving us the climb of the ladder. No, he just got here. Right. It was just Friday. You told me he was facing Gresham. And now all of a sudden, I'm going to tune into Wednesday Dynamite and Claudio is all of a sudden finally a world champion? What? Mm. And also, wait a minute, he's a world champion because he won the world championship of a company that was bought by the company he signed for? Let me ask you a question, Mario. Was Bobby Lashley a world champion? When he was ECW world champion, WW got ECW, ECW championship. Some of the best wrestlers in the world have held the ECW championship. Taz, RVD. Well, actually, wait, no, not RVD. Because he had the fake ECW championship. But Rhino, you know what I'm saying? Let's be real. Are we counting to John Morrison? Was he world champion? That, that, he one, that one hurts me the most out of everyone. Because <laughs> it's like, that one hurts me the most because obviously we know why Morrison got put in the position because of the whole Benoit thing, right? Right, right, but right. When he beat Punk, and keep in mind, I'm I'm a big Punk guy too. I'm like, yes, my God, John Morrison became world champion. And then, like in a matter, I think like a week or two, they removed the world from the. Right. <laughs> just to clarify, maybe when Benoit was our champion, it was a world championship. But just to clarify, we'll let y'all know where we're at now. So and, you know what I mean. Oh. And I understand why people aren't making the same connection that I'm making here now. Is Ring of Honor is the wrestler's company. Always has been. Who held that championship? Some of the best wrestlers in the world. And Claudio fits perfectly. Yeah. And yes, he should have been a world champion so long ago. But I don't want Tony 
patting himself on the ass so much thinking, I finally did what no one else did. Because as far as I'm concerned, you still really haven't. You just got this guy. And if you're thinking that months are going to go by and we're not going to get hungry for an AEW World Championship reign from this guy, people are already clamoring for Ricky Starks to be mm-hmm. AEW champion. You don't think people are going to start wanting, like, come on now. You did not do very hey, much. Hey, Ricky Starks is a world champion. He's the FTW world champion, baby, okay? <laughs> world. Well, no, I love I love that championship so much because Taz always on commentary. Just so you know, this is not an AEW belt. This is a Rogue Championship. I started this championship. <laughs> I fucking love the FTR Championship. It's championship of the world, not any wrestling company. It's actually the World Championship. Ricky Starks defends that on the corner of like 36 and Broadway every time they come to New York. At the bodega. <laughs> <laughs> He walks around parks. <laughs> he walks it. I, I do. I'm next. Well, <laughs> going back to what you said, Tony Khan does love his titles, okay? He loves championships. So, you know, we're going to see Claudio. And listen, I am happy for Claudio being world champion. I'm not I'm not saying that. But we're going to see Claudio because we still, while Ring of Honor is under Tony, the Tony Khan world of it all, right? And the Ring of Honor does have its future. We still don't know when's going to be the next pay-per-view. We still don't right. know when they're going to have a TV deal or like a streaming deal. We still don't know none of that. So we're going to see Claudia parading around Dynamite and Rampage with the Ring of Honor World Championship. Right. So And, and it's because of that that it kind of – and I hope they – you know, I hope they're cognizant of this and, and try to – you know, kind of tiptoe around it, but I do worry that it won't be very long before that championship kind of comes across as another quote unquote mid card championship for AEW as a company. Now, listen, if they start touring with Ring of Honor and, and at the very least just giving Cesaro some independent um, defenses, um, you know, if they start making more of an ROH presence in AEW. You know, let's say one half hour of every Dynamite is a Ring of Honor half hour. I'm not suggesting, I'm just saying. Then maybe we'll start being able to look at it differently. But right now it kind of seems, and I'm not throwing any shade, but it does seem like they're just juicing up the the, uh, Blackpool Combat Club. And I'm I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it too. You've got AEW World Champion Moxley, Ring of Honor World Champion Claudio, Ring of Honor Pure Champion uh, Wheeler Yuta. These are the precise championships that each of these three men should have. But what Brian? What Brian's gonna be hungry for gold? What's gonna happen with Brian? I I mean, there's plenty of championships to go around. <laughs> there's plenty. Uh, the TV TV championship, Anderson versus Samoa Joe. Who doesn't want to see that? I made the joke because we because uh, Brian and I last week we were talking about like the tag division in AEW, and we'll throw Ring of Honor too because they're in the same world or whatever. And yeah. it's like it's crazy because like you know <clears throat> we're talking about like the the rumors about Ortiz and Santana how like they never won the AEW Tag Team Champions. And that makes was, me like, sad. That makes me sad too. And then we're talking about like how the best friends they signed also with the company they haven't won the tag titles. And I was telling Ryan like don't worry they're gonna win titles they're gonna win the AEW Rampage Tag Titles. Okay, right. that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> Well, once once FTR start dropping titles, there's like three new belts to go right, around. Exactly. So I don't want to go throughout the through through the whole card. I just want to. By the way, just out to that point, I'm surprised the Lucha Brothers. Am I am I forgetting a reign they had? Did they have a reign? Yeah, they 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 beat uh, the Young Bucks at All Out last year. That's right. Okay. <laughs> correct. 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 Okay. Uh, Wheeler Yuta, Daniel Garcia for the Pure Championship. I thought this match was great, and I think they went to close to 15 minutes. 
Oh, wait. So I, I meant to actually tell you. So you were right with uh, Claudio Gresham. They went 11.30. So you're right. They just went over 10. Yeah. Yeah. See, uh, I, I feel like they should have they gave them a little bit more time, especially since they were the opener. And, and yeah, Yuta and Garcia went just under 16 minutes. Mm -hmm. And it's funny. I thought this match started real slow. And I was worried about how the crowd would react. Granted, as we already said, it's an AEW crowd, but also you never know with the fact that these were also two AEW wrestlers, you know? Yeah, Yuta's the ROH Pure Champion, but he's an AEW wrestler. He didn't come from Ring of Honor. So you, and you already had Garcia with his sports entertainer. I'm not, I don't need the Pure Championship thing. So I was wondering if the if the fans were really going to get I into I love it. that shit so much. That oh, me too. I love it so much. I think, uh, what is it, Daddy Mac, Mac Daddy, uh... Uh, Matt but Matt but Menard, I think he's fucking hilarious. He's he's a walking gimmick. That's what he is. They're all literally, they're all fantastic. Like I love all three of them, Garcia and both of them. They're all all they needed. They were three guys where all you really needed was a shine. Garcia was like the wrestler's wrestler, and you can see the Jericho influence. Where like ever since the alliance, yeah. he's. I'm out of his shell. He's really embracing the I'm a superstar. Yeah. I'm better than you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Like, it's just, it's magic watching him evolve into this promo machine. I love what, and, and the other guys were charisma machines right. from the start. Just little things that you would see in just being the elite. You want a piece? You want a taste? <laughs> like, just, they crack me up. And so when you actually align them with a legend and you give them something to just brag about, reasons to say they're the best. You know, I, I, I'm I'm addicted to everything they're doing. They're really making a gimmick that, on paper, seems so corny. If, We're going to call you sports entertainers. You're going to tell me to acknowledge you. Right. You're going to call them the AEW Galaxy. We're going to basically rip off everything. Right. But they make it work they so well. Absolutely. I pop every time because, like, during their, their, their theme songs or whatever, you have, like, the Jericho Appreciation Society intro. And if you listen to, if you listen to it closely – during like at the crowd you actually hear them say it with them so it'll be like the jericho appreciation society representing the 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 excellence of sports entertainers you hear the crowd say it with them yeah it's 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 contagious yeah by the way that was a spot-on impression you fucking nailed that uh, i try bro i try i try i try that was beautiful <laughs> Uh, so this is a this is a really this was a really really good match, but I just feel like there was no point for it, and that was Dragon Lee versus Roosh. There's no reason why two brothers were fighting for no they were fighting for no reason. I was kind of yeah. I was wondering if like the Lucha brothers were gonna like interfere like towards the end or something, but that, that didn't happen. Sense. That didn't happen at all. This match it was really it was a really really good match, and obviously they both have history of Ring of Honor. But there was just no purpose for it. Yeah, it almost makes me worry that, and I don't, you know, everything we know about Tony, I, I assume he was a Ring of Honor fan going into it. But to me, it just screamed someone trying to put another match that appeared to be a Ring of Honor match yeah. where two guys would shake hands before and after and have no qualms. And I could see, you know, you know, I could not necessarily Tony, but I could see your average booker taking over Ring of Honor being like, wait a minute, this guy's a good guy, this guy's a bad guy, and they're all going to be shaking hands before and after? That doesn't make sense. 
You know, let's make them brothers. They would at least do that. So, you know, I don't know whose idea this was, how it happened. Maybe it was these guys. Maybe they just wanted to wrestle each other. And they're like, yeah, fuck it. Let us do it. Let's do it in Ring of Honor. Why not? I agree with you. Definitely did kind of seem like. And then when there's certain matches where you're like the world championship match didn't even touch 12 minutes. It's probably one of the shortest matches on the card. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, literally, I mean, I think think the women's match didn't get close to doubling it, but they got significantly. If I'm not mistaken, which I really enjoyed Mercedes Martinez and Serena D for the Ring of Honor Women's Championship. fantastic match. Fantastic match. I'm a big fan of Mercedes Martinez. Masterclass. Masterclass. Uh, That match, I think, went a little bit. I I felt like close to 20 minutes, probably under 20. It's 17 minutes, 20 seconds, yeah. but close, close. But it was, it was a great match. So many near falls. And I love at the end, after they beat the living shit out of each other, they end up having this moment where they're just oh, yeah. in the middle of the ring. And I think Serena Deeb even started crying. Like, you could tell she was starting to break down. I think, was, I think they were both getting emotional. And, and commentary put it over saying, well, that's better than the Code of Honor. Yeah, that was, it was a great match. It was a fantastic match. No, it was a beautiful match, beautiful story. Mercedes Martinez, big, always been a big fan of her. Yep. She's a beast. Serena D, it's not a gimmick, people. She has a PhD in this shit. She is the doctor of this shit. She's so good. And my favorite, it's the little things. The great wrestlers is the little things. I love how she sold the loss where Mercedes taps her out, but yeah. like her body's limp. So when Mercedes lets her head go, she literally just falls forward. No, you know, it's just like she was out. And like, that's the way you sell that moment. And her leg did this weird thing where it like plopped in there and then fell back down. It was, it was perfect. It was masterful. It was a master class. And, you know, on a show where you're only getting one or two women's matches being representative of an entire division or two divisions, I guess. Uh, this th- these women really delivered. Yeah, really enjoyed this match. The next match, semi-main, Samoa Joe defending that TV championship, even though there's no television deal against Jay Lethal. Wait, actually, hold on. Before we get into this, I-, I meant to ask you when you were talking about Claudio, I wanted to know what you thought about this, because I'm actually unsure. Okay. I thought it was an interesting way to explain it. Like, I thought it was very creative. What did you think about them telling us that the reason why Claudio and Gresham opened the show was because... They actually had a coin toss. Oh yeah, yeah. Between between the tag team, the two main events, the right. tag team championship or tag team championship, and them, FTR won the coin, or I guess FTR and the Briscoes won the coin toss, giving them the main event spot. I've literally never heard that before. I think if they would have switched it up and said they did a coin toss to see who was going to open the show and who was going to main event, would have been a better explanation than. Because if they're both sem, if they're both main events, how come one was like the one should have been the semi and the other one should have been the main main event? In theory, I, well, see, it's funny. I actually liked. I mean, before they only went eleven new. minutes. I, I don't liked, mind the gimmick. I don't right, mind the gimmick. Right. Before they only went eleven minutes, I liked the idea in theory of the loser to that coin toss opening because you know as a smart mark whatever the fuck you want to call it as someone who knows the industry you do know that they say backstage right if you're not closing you want to be opening unless you're jonathan grisham because we're not going to give a shit about you <laughs> right right but one of those reasons why you want to open a is because the crowd is electric which we got mm-hmm. but another reason you want to open is because usually you have less time restrictions which we didn't get so so because as you said so now because of the that briscoe's got like a quarter of the pay-per-view with ftr Right. <laughs> and 
But you know what's funny? The semi-main event, the Joe versus Lethal match, it only did a minute longer than Claudio and Gresham. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where uh, semi-main event, opener, same time. I was, You know what? I was, and I know what it's going to sound like. It's going to sound like I'm, I'm kind of coming off a little bit biased. But, like, I really thought it was, it was time. It, put the title on Lethal. Because I feel like Lethal's on TV every week, not Joe. Right. Yeah. It, but, see, and that, but I've always, like, my question is why? Because I don't know why. Why Joe- is there a TV championship with no TV? Yeah, yeah, legit. Of all the champions to not put on TV, oh yeah, the TV champion, sure. Like, hey, you're supposed to be the smart booker, you know what I mean? Like, you got this crazy old man on the other side doing all this crazy shit. You're supposed to be the one being able to watch from the other end and being like, okay, let's make smart decisions. Yeah, TV champion, sit your ass home. Challenger, every fucking show we're putting you on. I, I just... I, and I thought the match was good, okay? I'm not saying the match was bad. I really enjoyed this match. I just, I don't know. I, I, I really wanted Lethal to go over, man. And just and, and another complaint about Joe not being on TV. For me, the package they showed before this match did a better job of telling this story than anything that has happened prior on Dynamite Rampage, whatever. I like, agree. AEW really did very little to actually push this story and, and and the Ring of Honor package we saw was beautiful. It was a chef's kiss, yeah. reminding us that that Joe and Lethal were together in in Lethal's infancy. That Lethal used to dress like Joe because he was his protege. Mm-hmm. Like telling that story, and now fast forwarding us to now, where Lethal is helping on taking his championship. The story writes itself. Everyone and their mother should be excited to see that match. But AEW really didn't put the emphasis on it. I thought they needed to. And and I and I feel like that's it's just signs of Tony Khan's struggle with balancing both AEW and Ring of Honor and how to push a Ring of Honor pay-per-view while pushing AEW content and having to balance it all. And I think until he does get a TV deal or until he figures a streaming deal, until we get the next step in what ROH 2.0 is going to look like, he's. Unfortunately, some programs that deserve a lot better aren't getting the t- attention and emphasis that are necessary before big matches in front of big crowds like this. Yeah, yeah, I agree 1,000%. All right, main event, FTR versus the Briscoes, two out of three falls. I thought this match was fantastic. Yep. Really? Woo! <clears throat> fantastic fucking match. Um, true, true. I added this match. On matches of the year that we have to break down um, at the end of uh, 2022, they literally beat the fucking snot out of each other. Like, yeah. it was, I think at one point, I think it was like maybe the last five minutes of the, of the, of the match where literally Jay Briscoe and Dax Harward are throwing haymakers at each other. Like, they're just, yeah. they started squaring up and then they just started throwing haymakers at each other. I, yeah. Oh, beautiful was- match. It, the match was so amazing because you saw so many different styles. Mm-hmm. At, at, at different points of the match, you saw the street fight, gritty, let's get hardcore, throwback ECW style. You saw the technical wrestling style. You saw the old school style. The entire match actually was like an old school style, but with different yeah. things thrown in. And as you said, the build up to the moments, and I thought we had we had moments where like each partner kind of squared off with a different partner and like some were just kind of like okay let's hit each other in the face some were like all right let's square off right hook left hook let's go back and forth like it was a hockey fight i just got everything i needed 
the 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 finish, the fact that we actually saw for the first time ever them kicking out of yeah. the big rig. Jay Briscoe, the first person to kick out of uh, the big rig. Commentary, I can't say enough, and I'm probably going to keep. As long as we talk about Ring of Honor, I'm going to keep talking about commentary because I thought they killed it last night. I'm so happy. That's one thing I wanted to point out, too. I'm so happy that Caprice Coleman and especially Ian Riccoboni, they're still yes. a ring of, they're still employed by Ring of Honor, and they're still calling their matches. And from time to time, you'll see them appear on AEW to call Ring of Honor matches because I think they're both fantastic. I think they're very... Um, underrated as a duo. Yeah. That's the way yeah. you got to do crossovers. Underrated as a duo. I, I'll even go as far as to say this, and I don't want to take anything away from Riccoboni. He's amazing. I, I really think they're both great. And he's a I, great guy. <laughs> I think Caprice Coleman might be the most valuable asset that Tony Khan has gotten from Ring of Honor. Okay. Um, I don't know if he knows it yet. I don't know if anyone knows it yet. But the way Caprice talks about things when he's doing packages or interviews. He's, he's uh, a wrestler. He was a former wrestler, too, so he knows. And because of that, he, just, he, he has a seriousness and a legitimacy to all of his opinions and everything. He just His opinions really carry a lot of weight. But also on commentary, I want, I want to, I'm, I'm saying this now. This man has the potential to be the Stuart Scott of wrestling broadcasting. Like he can, like, okay. like I think it was during them throwing blows. Yeah. He just comes out with, and we've heard it on wrestling where Keith Lee says it all the time. But Capri saying, "Oh my God!" Like it yeah. just reminds me of that, Stewart's. So Caprice Coleman, I don't know if you remember, but during the Joe and Jay Lethal match, Ian Riccoboni made a comment about one of Samoa Joe's old Ring of Honor themes. I forget it was a it was a rap song. I forget. And Caprice Coleman popped so huge, and he was like, Riccoboni, you better stop playing with me. You're going to get me started or whatever. And he popped so hard, and I popped because I knew what they were talking about. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's those type of things where it's like, cause, because Caprice represents a voice that's not always represented when you're watching wrestling. When you're watching wrestling, the voice we hear the most mm -hmm. is the commentary team. Right. And, and you don't, and even like when you do have black, uh, people announcing a lot of times they are like a Byron Saxton where he oh, for God. whatever reason whether he wants to or they want him to he's not necessarily representing a particular subset you know Caprice keeps it 100% Caprice keeps it real I loved when Caprice joined Shane Taylor at the end of the, the oh yeah final battle yep yeah like him getting in there like I got up and clapped Mm -hmm. So I think Caprice is so valuable. He's so fresh. He he connects with the young people, the old people. He connects with all people. Uh, I, I really think he's just so valuable. The commentary team blew me away last night. And I hope AEW realizes what they have and gives both of these guys a lot more to do. Because they really added to the presentation the way they're supposed to. This main event in particular. Mm -hmm. The way they freaked out. Yeah. When in all these different moments, like they sold it, and listen, man, it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, you know, th with this type of main event, these, you know, they they talked about how some Ring of Honor, in fact, in this match, they talked about how the Briscoes were winning the fans over yeah. throughout the match because this is an AEW crowd. Well, then that technically means that the AEW audience tuning in, the commentary team is probably winning them over throughout the night as well. Mm -hmm. Probably not familiar with these guys. Maybe there's some fans out there that were waiting for Taz or Jim Ross to come they out. You know, emphasize that too on, on the commentary. Like, if this is your first Ring of Honor purchase on pay per view, thank you. You're gonna come back because this is the best wrestling on the planet. They kept on emphasizing that too. Yeah. And Tony Khan also said in the media scrum after the show, he said that 
he already got like um I guess like kind of like early you know numbers on like how the buy rates did or whatever and saying like hey this this hit like you know people are impressed with the numbers so while we have our criticism on certain things on, on creative and stuff I do feel that the Ring of Honor brand as a whole is safe with Tony Khan I 100% agree and and as I said I think some of the things we are complaining about are due to some of the factors that we don't know about. Right, I, right. I do believe he wishes if he could give us a streaming deal tomorrow. I, I assume he wishes right. you know he, he'd do that. So we don't we don't know all these things. I'm not gonna pretend to be an expert. I'm not. Um, these are things. If I could change, I would. And I'm sure that over time, Tony will if he can. You know, I I, I wish that Cesaro got more of a story leading up to his first world championship win, if that's what we're going to call it. But I'm willing to wait because he also just joined this company. And he is one of the best wrestlers in the world. And there's no doubt in my mind that the AEW world championship will be in his future. So when that moment comes, I'm sure we'll get the story that I wish we got now. How do you feel about the ending of the pay-per-view? Which, for the most part, it was positive. Like, everybody's cheering, everybody's excited. But the fact that FTR having a stare down with our new Ring of Honor world champion, Claudio, and Wheeler Yuta, pure champion. Like, they're just kind of, like, all staring at each other. How do you feel about that? It was definitely interesting. It was, it was very AEW, okay? I'm going to just say right. it. It was AEW. That was not that, a Ring of Honor That movie. was not a Ring of Honor ending. That was AEW ran all over it. And, like, a part of me was wondering, like, when they first came out and were, like, clapping, I'm like, okay, wait, are they just doing it because these are almost – all of our Ring of Honor champions? Uh, is right. that what you're getting at? Right. But then commentary was putting over, is this a challenge? So then it's like, wait, what are you telling me now? That Claudio and Wheeler Yuta, despite the fact they're holding singles championships in the same company, they're now going to be a tag team to take all the championships in the company? Mm-hmm. Is that what we're getting to? Because that also seems very AEW. <laughs> yeah, until... And and I know it'll happen at some point, but until Ring of Honor gets a TV deal, while we know the future for Ring of Honor is there, but we still don't know what that future right. is. So there is uncertainty, but there's not uncertainty in a negative way. Like when after Final Battle, we had no idea what, what was the future of Ring of Honor, right? We just knew that there was rumored to be a super card of honor show WrestleMania weekend. Now we know Ring of Honor does have a future. We just don't know what it is yet. Right. So it's it- yeah. It's, it's very strange. One, one thing that I, I mean, I'm hoping it's not teasing to a tag team confrontation between these two teams for the main reason that I think you always got to be moving upwards, right? You right. can never, never, no U-turns. So this match, rightfully so, was essentially put over as let's determine right now, fuck the past, fuck the belts, winner of this determines best tag team in the world. Right, right, right. Right? They put it over rightfully so. Mm-hmm. And so now FTR has established that we're the best tag team in the world. Briscoes are right here. Beneath us. So so the next challengers, I mean, to me, it seemed like for months they've been setting up FTR versus Young Bucks. Right. And that completely threw an axe on that two weeks ago. Right. And so it's like now, wait a minute. You're telling me FTR just proved right now, like legit, there's few people who can tell them they're not the best tag team in the world. So who's going to be the ones to try and do it? Claudio and Wheeler Yuta, who have never teamed at all? 
uh, or in a, in a tag team match? Is it going to be Keith Lee and Swerve Scott, who I love, and I'm very happy that the tag champs? Yeah, me too. Let's be real. They can't be. It's too early for you to put them in a position where they have to verbally defend that they're the best tag team in the world. They're going to get smoked in that conversation. Right. It, it right. doesn't work. Lucha Brothers would be a better contender at this point because they've kind of been a tag team that's always an amazing tag team, but people are forgetting them. If we had Ortiz and Santana, perfect selection. I, I, that, and that makes me sad, just just, just thinking no, about that. We don't have them anymore. But know. so I do feel like as great as the tag division is, we've now reached a problem. Maybe maybe the best friends have to get a little angry and start talking about how dare you continue to overlook us. We've been here since day one. We're not just the best friends. We're the best tag team. Start, you know, kicking ass a little bit, and then maybe you can do that. You've got to establish the tag teams you've had for years that haven't really scratched the surface. Right. You can't start making new tag teams when you've already established your champs are untouchable. Nah, I, I agree 1,000%. Sorry if I ranted a little bit. No, 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 no. <laughs> Listen, we're all for the rants. We are all for the rants. <laughs> I do hope Ring of Honor gets a TV deal soon, or we get like a pay-per-view announcement soon. Um, and also, Tony Khan, let, let's bring Ring of Honor back to the Hammerstein Ballroom, okay? That's what I want. Give me a, give me a, Thank you. a, a Manhattan Mayhem, all right? Give me a Manhattan Mayhem under the the Tony Khan uh, realm now. Give me, give me one of, the, give me one of those shows. Give me something, all right? All right. We talked about Ring of Honor. For the most part, great show. I enjoyed it. And now let's move on to some WWE stuff because, man, the wrestling world exploded Friday. Friday afternoon. Beanie Mac. Oh, yeah. Because on Twitter, which when I first saw the tweet, I'm like, this has to be fake. There's no way. Um, can you pull up the t uh, tweet, uh, Leo? I think I have it uh, on Lucha Outsiders IG. Uh, keep going. Keep going. Go to the side. Yeah, go to the side and I'll read it out loud. All right. So Vince McMahon tweets at 4 o'clock. 4.05 p.m. At 77, time for me to retire. Thank you, WWE Universe. Then, now, forever, together. When I saw that tweet, I said, this is fake. There's no way this was sent out. But I was wrong. It was a real tweet. Uh, he, he's gone. He retired. He's hanging it up. And, um, man, there's a lot of thoughts going into this, okay? I think the first one will be... The reason his retirement is because of the, the retiring is because of these allegations that's been coming out for the last month or two, etc. Listen, I'm not gonna go down the well, the well with all these allegations. I, we all know if you if you read right. dirt sheets, if you're a wrestling fan, if you actually are not tone deaf and give a shit, you know what these allegations are, and we don't need to go down the rabbit hole of that. All right, because we've talked about it in the past, Brady. I'm sure. You don't want to talk about it. Like, it, we've, we've gone down that rabbit hole too many fucking times. Thanks. <clears throat> but I believe this plays a major factor into why he's retiring. Because the, the man never, he's a workaholic. He never wants to leave. So I also feel like that needs to be, like, the people need to kind of be cognizant of that. So to anyone who's truly, to any of the people that are really sad and crying their eyes out because how dare this man retire, um, he... He's leaving us. Like, like acknowledge, acknowledge that he... It's not a real retirement. This is a PR move. He's stepping away, but let's be real. He is still the majority shareholder. 51%, it's, if I'm mistaken. 51%, yeah, I yeah. think he owns the stock. Right. 
his his son-in-law and his daughter are stepping in right now. We don't know who's going to take over. I've heard Bruce Pritchard, but we're kind of we're, we're, it does seem likely with Triple H and Steph coming back and the rave reviews that they've gotten in the past when they were in charge that they could potentially have some influence and write this ship. What that means to me is that whenever Vince does say the word, let's fast forward three years from now, five, you know, with what is going on. And as you said, we're not going to get into it, but it's mainly an attack on his reputation. It's saying these are the things he did. These are reasons not to like this man. That shit, unfortunately, when it comes to rich old white men, that shit lasts only for so long. And so, let's not act like it's like, oh my God, I can't believe Vince was like that. Look who he portrayed on we, TV. Like, we, like knew. we knew, we all knew. This is this is like yeah. art, art becoming reality. That's pretty much what it is. And it's the, you know, going back to the Jimmy Snooker stuff and the referee yeah. stuff. Like, we all knew what kind of man this guy was. It's nothing fucking new. But was it art becoming reality or just what he wanted to kind of like play off? Or maybe was it was reality back? that became art. Who and knows? <laughs> it's a fucking, it's, a, it's an old asshole at his genius, at his most genius. It's saying, let me create a fictitious character. Which is basically just getting rid of my first name. That's just Mr. McMahon. I'm going to do and say all these fucking things. I'm going to say the N-word. I'm going to make out with the most beautiful women I employ. I'm going to do all these things. And I'm going to convince you it's a fictitious character. Because sure. it's a TV show. Sure. So, so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's him doing it. So it's like with Ric Flair, the Dark Side of the Ring stuff. We knew we didn't. Nothing was actually surprising because you knew the Ric Flair he was, which right. is why we just saw him back on the Raw intro. Which is why he's got his big comeback, and I'm sure we'll see Ric Flair again, nating it up. So you nature know, it you are, it up. <laughs> it up. That's right. If you are sad about Vince leaving, hold on. Take a breather, because in a few years, when Vince has decided that it's time to come out, he's, he's going to come out of hiding, and he's going to come right on back. I truly believe that. Now, let's assume, let's take the tweet for face value. Let's just read that tweet. At 77, it is time for me to retire. I don't think there's a single profession where you should disagree with that statement. I don't care what the job yes. is. At 77, it's you should overdue. Die. Him leaving should have happened 10 years ago, okay? And I know the WWE loyalists and the apologists and the diehards might be upset with me saying that, but he should have left 10 years ago. Yes, 100%. And I don't understand. And this is why, like, I, I don't understand how, like, I feel like wrestling fans are just only watching wrestling because then when I try to make comparisons to sports or comedy or whatever, it, it falls on deaf ears. I'm a Giants fan, okay? Die hard. Love Tom Coughlin. Brought me two championships. But when that old asshole was ready to call it quits, I was applauding him. Thank you for the years you've given us, but you know what? Yes. You're right. It is time for you to go. It is over. Jesus. Patrick Ewing is my favorite athlete of all time. I would go to Madison Square Garden. I would watch him get booed by the Knicks faithful because they were all ungrateful assholes and didn't appreciate him. When he retired, though, when he retired, they... they <laughs> Are you booing my team choices? No, 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 no. I'm, 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 I'm giving you like, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, being your, like your hype man, you know, adding I appreciate it. Sorry. And, and he's booing you at the same time. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but with Vince, so with Vince, okay, with with the whole Vince thing. So as of right now, how it stands, 
Triple H, prior to Vince announcing the, uh, the, the retirement, Triple H became the head of talent relations, okay? After, after the announcement was made that Vince made the, the retirement announcement on, t- on Twitter, and then he, I think he sent out like a press release or, or, or something to, the, to the, the talent, Stephanie, Nick Khan are now co-CEOs. As of right now, Bruce Pritchard is the head of creative. That's what's being reported right now. So that's where we stand with who's the head of what. Now, while, you know, we might not agree with how Vince ran things, his creative decisions, especially in recent years, have not all been that great. Regardless of what I understand, the WWE faithful are going to jump all over me because of that. They've been horrible. God awful. (laughs) Okay. I also, while I might not like him as a person, I also don't want to bury everything he's done that has been good understand like vent listen it's safe to say that why all of us are wrestling fans why there is even an AEW and all these other promotions it's because of wwf and vince mcmahon okay vince mcmahon made wwf into a global worldwide thing he made it mainstream he made it mainstream okay he also gave us so many fucking characters I'm not, and I'm not talking about like the crappy ones. I'm talking about like guys like the <laughs> Undertaker. I'm th- listen. The Rock is the number one actor in the world, and you could credit some of that success because of Vince, okay? Because he gave him a name. You know, Stone Cold Steve Austin became the number one superstar in the world in the Attitude Era when he became Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yes, Austin was a talented one, but Vince gave him that platform. He you gave us T Bar. He, they, listen, we're not, we're not, we're not doing that. We are not sorry, doing that. Sorry. Also, Vince McMahon is a character. He yeah. gave us so many entertaining moments. So while we do not like him, well, some of us, because, you know, there's a lot of people that are tone deaf. While we might not like Vince as a person, I also don't want to bury all the entertaining stuff that he gave us also, you know? So I, I 100% agree with you. And, like, to that point, like, I'm, I, I have been watching WWE for decades now. Mm-hmm. And, and, Damn, you know, we're so old. Like, we're old as shit. Fuck you guys. (laughs) Some of my favorite wrestling moments have come courtesy of Vince. With that said, though, I have always looked at him as a human being. He's not Mm -hmm. perfect. And what I mean by that, you brought up Stone Cold Steve Austin as one of his success stories. But he didn't actually see Stone Cold Steve Austin in him. He saw the ringmaster. You know? And, and, And credit where credit's due. Vince made the decision to give him the King of the Ring win against a legend like Jake the Snake. Obviously, he wanted to push him. And he made the decision to give him a live mic. But Stone Cold made Stone Cold. And Vince just decided not to pull over the bus. Just to let him keep riding it where he was riding it. Vince saw Kurt Angle and actually thought people were going to like this guy. (laughs) So did we get one of the best heel characters ever courtesy of Vince? Sure. Courtesy of him not knowing what the fuck to do with somebody. Some of their biggest success stories is because they pivot. It's just a fright. And so credit where credit's due. But the fact is, when you reach a certain age, you're not able to pivot as fast. Maybe you don't want to pivot. Maybe you're sick of being told that your ideas were wrong. And now you're all entitled and like, well, no, what? screw it. You're going to deal with it forever. I mean, come on. If, if you're a fan of um, guys that were called up from NXT only to watch them disappear, there's got to be a little bit of you, just a little bit, who's excited to see what's going to happen now. Tommaso Ciampa, just a few weeks after his debut, we read, and I didn't need to read shit. 
You can tell from the time he just randomly attacks Mustafa Ali when Mustafa makes his return. You know what I mean? It, nothing about it makes sense, and I don't need the dirt to tell me Vince doesn't like Tommaso. I can watch and know. So if you're watching Tommaso Ciampa on the main roster, a place he already said he didn't want to be because he wanted to be close to his family and he didn't want to deal with the main roster bullshit. If you're watching him and wondering why he hasn't been given a meaningful storyline, there's got to be a piece of you that's wondering what's going to happen now that Vince is gone. If you agreed with CM Punk in his shoot promo, there's got to be a little bit of you that's excited to see what's going to happen with not only Vince gone, but Vince's right-hand man and, and close-knit circle possibly leaving too. you got to be at least a little interested to see how this is going to play out. Kevin, Kevin Dunn's going to be gone. Alex, that if good things come from this, guess who finally changed WWE for the better? Women. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know what? whole new definition to women's revolution, okay? Yes, seriously. Mr. CM Punk said it. If we waited until Vince died, he was going to have it in his will. This is the WrestleMania main event for the next five years. Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. You make sure that shit happens. You know, like, like but because of this shakeup, which, as I've already said, I've got my doubts as to how long it will happen. But if Triple H is really able to get some influence back, and if you were a fan of black and gold NXT. Oh, my God. Listen, NXT is so irrelevant in my life now. Right. Right. Nope. But that all came from Vince. Vince isn't there anymore. So maybe do we start seeing Shawn Michaels or, or other people get, you know, a little more creative freedom in NXT 2.0 again. Do we see Road Dog come on back as a producer? I mean, I can't imagine that if Triple H had any say, William Regal would have been let go. And obviously, well, well here's some to to add on to that. Okay, imagine if this if what we're seeing right now would have happened a year ago. I feel like a lot of that talent wouldn't have left. I feel like Keith Lee would have still been employed. Adam Cole, William Regal, Johnny Gargano probably would have resigned. Carrie uh, uh, Cross, Scarlett, all these individuals probably would have still been WWE. Yeah. I mean, how many questionable releases have we left us scratching our head? How many gifts have AEW received? Only for Vince to literally say in an interview, yeah, maybe we can give them some more. Like, he, he literally, you know what I mean? So it's like, if. if I, I understand appreciating a man for what he gave us, but when you when you retire is when you cut the bleeding. You know, now you can stop. We can stop blaming him for all the bad things, which I'm sure won't happen. I'm sure every bad thing that continues to happen, they're gonna say, "Oh, Vince McMahon told them to do it," and they're listening out of loyalty. If we're looking at every possible scenario, I think there is a scenario. Where Vince is still pulling the strings, right? You know, right? It's not. It's not like they just hired some NYU grad to step in. It's his daughter and his son-in-law and the people who've been right next to him while he did all this crazy shit. You know what I mean? So it's not. We're not guaranteed change. We're not even guaranteed that this will be permanent. Um, but I think we can look at it different ways, and I'm choosing to think a little, a little hopeful, a little positively, because I know that on some level, Triple H had to have disagreed 
with Vince on a lot of fundamental things. Whether it was releases, whether it was pushes, whether it was championships, no matter what. You know, maybe just little shit, such as let's not call up a stable from NXT to SmackDown and then a week later release one of the people and then a week later release them all. Just just little shit to make it look like you actually have a plan. So with Vince now being gone, and we'll say gone for now because we don't know right. what the future holds, do you see some of these talents possibly returning to WWE like a Bray Wyatt? Like a, um, you know, Braun Strowman or carrying Cross of Scarlet or even Johnny Gargano. So, until you said Gargano, my answer was no. Gargano, I think, is the only one where there's still a question mark because, up, as far as our knowledge is concerned, he left because his wife had a baby and he's a father now and he's he's enjoying that. From everything I've read, him and her are fairly good. Money-wise, for now, they can take their time and make their decision. So I do think that based on how WWE proceeds, and if we start seeing a bit of Triple H influence, and if he is able to kind of run the company his way, I could see him being able to get Gargano back. I don't think any of those other names you mentioned will come back, um, mainly because I think it's going to take time for anyone to really believe that things are things are magically changing. I think there's going to need to take a change in the product, in the direction, in a lot of these questionable decisions that have been happening. Um, you know, as me and you have kind of already covered, there's multiple reasons for us to not just believe what they're telling us. There's a lot of holes in what's going on regarding is Vince really, really gone forever, ever, forever, ever? You know, like, so, so, like, you know, and then even if he's gone, does it really mean anything? If someone like Bruce Pritchard is still called, you know, that could be worse. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you kind of, we, we have to wait and see. But I do know this. I know that for years I have seen horrible decisions being made and I've had one person to blame and it's, it's been told to me it's Vince. Vince is no longer there to blame anymore. So, it means that exciting times it's are ahead. It's because of Bruce. Except, they're going to blame Bruce Pritchard now. But even if we blame Bruce, we're not actually going to blame Bruce. Because I don't think anyone assumes Bruce makes his own decisions. Bruce doesn't choose the pants he puts on in the morning. You know what I mean? Vince sends him pictures of how he wants him dressed. So, like... <laughs> there, was a, there was a funny tweet by Conrad after this news came out of um, Vince retiring. He tweets at Bruce Pritchard and he goes like, So does that mean we can start doing the show again? <laughs> that's funny listen creative's not gonna change overnight okay um right it's not it's not right. whatever's happening at SummerSlam is set in stone let's keep in mind aj styles is still employed by the WWE, and he has no feud he has no match at SummerSlam, the second biggest show in the year that is mind-boggling to me yeah whatever um Austin Theory is probably still going to continue being pushed to the moon, which I don't mind that. Yeah, I don't he, mind it either. I don't mind that. It's just the portrayal of this guy. That's my biggest issue with Austin Theory. It's not, I, that's, think, I think a, the funniest thing is Theory starting to get go away heat. Uh, at least that's what people are saying. I'm not hearing it. I'm hearing solid heel heat. I, I, I think Theory's over. I do. And I think he's deserving of it. But I'm starting to see 
the fan base like turn on him, turn on him, where they don't even want him around it's, because it's, of the on-screen association with Vince. And I don't know, man. I feel like that's a little bit much. Because let's be real. At any point, any wrestler that WWE pushes is essentially at least a little bit that's a, that's Vince getting behind them. That's Vince saying, I'm going to make you the star, kid. When Drew McIntyre became champion, that was Vince saying, we're going to make you a star, kid. And he used to be the chosen one, you know? Right. So I feel like the on-screen association should not cause people to, to dive on a theory too much. I think, I think uh, with my issue with theory is that I want to see what brought him to the dance. Give me the version of Austin Theory that we saw in Evolve when he was a champ. Like, that version of Austin Theory, I thought, was incredible. I, that's what I want to see. First of all, let's put his first, let's give him back his first name. Because Theory on the marquee versus X does not sound right. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's not, that, how do you see on the WrestleMania logo, Theory versus X? Like, it just doesn't sound right. Give him back his first name. That's one. Or just give him back any name. Give him Andrew Theory, Alex Theory. Give him something. Just give him a first name. That's one. Two, it's just... They, they they always go down this realm when they find the guy or the guy they want to push. They just shove him down our throats constantly. Like we saw with Cena where it took Cena to be a fucking part-time guy to finally be everyone finally to love him. Like think about that. It took him to become a part. Even though his performances were great with all these guys like, you know, Dean Ambrose and Cesaro and etc. And Rusev, like his performances were always great. CM Punk, Brian. But people were just tired of seeing the same old shit with seeing him holding a title, okay? But it took him to become a part-timer for people to love him, right? Roman Reigns, same thing. Cena 2.0, they kept on shoving it down our throats. And to the point where it took Roman to say, well, actually, it's fucked up. It took Roman, in a way, for his cancer to come back, for people to love the guy and appreciate Roman, which is very sad to say, but it's... They, they, they still turned on him when he came it back. Wasn't, but it wasn't as aggressive as it was prior to cancer. People right, were turning right. on him, but it wasn't as aggressive. I think, but it took I, him to go away during COVID and then come back as right. a monster heel for people to love him. So think about that. It, it, took, like, it took the pandemic, I think, for him to A, walk away again right. and be like, obviously my health is more important. You guys aren't going to do right by me, so I'm going to take care of myself. But then also in that him, you know, him calling his own shot and saying, I'm leaving, I think it kind of clicked to him. You know what? I do run the fucking show. All right, let me put my foot down. Right. And so once again, like, I don't credit Vince with the recent no, Roman. that's not Vince. I credit Roman because Roman was like, listen, this is what we're doing. I'm the fucking heel. I'm the fucking best. I'm going to run right. this show. I'm taking my cousins with me, you know. Mm-hmm. And and now we've gotten, like, this amazing, he's just a, he's one like, of the best. He's a god. He's pretty yeah. much, that's what he is. He's a god. God. That's so, right. It, we got 20 years of that. Think about it. Cena and Roman shoved down our throats. Now we're getting the same, similar to Austin Theory. Listen, Austin Theory has all the potential to become the guy in WWE. But after we have 20 years of that, now you're giving us the same, like, formula with Austin Theory? Like, just let's give this guy everything? It's like, come on, man. We don't want to see that. And then on top of all that, like, him on the mic, well, I feel like in recent weeks it has gotten a little bit better. But just the portrayal of his on-screen character, it feels so produced. It's just not hitting it's it's weird too because i remember like when he was with the way Mm -hmm. 
he was getting rave reviews. Like fans were like getting won over by his. He was being goofy, but then he would deliver in the ring, and he was like, he was, you know, right. he was so weird. And I always thought it was just an odd character for him to play. But I was enjoying seeing him step out of his comfort zone, do something different from what we'd seen in Evolve. Where involved, as you mentioned, he was kind of like the guy. Nobody yeah. can touch me. I'm the best. Look at me. Yeah. You know, envy me. And I think that might have been. I don't want to say easier for him to play on the indies. I don't, I don't think WWE wants him to actually say that. Like, I almost feel like they still got him kind of playing this goofy role. And, and it, you know, when you see Brock Lesnar beat the shit out of him over and over and over again, it's like they've got him in these different areas where, yeah, he's, he's like the next, he's the next, I don't want to say next big thing, but yeah, they're kind of presenting him as the next champion, the next main eventer, next top guy. But he's also kind of being presented as like a Miz type guy where, yeah, he's going to be your next champion, but they're kind of giving us vulnerable champion vibes. You know, they're not presenting him as the way he was presented as the evolved champion because then he was actually presented as who's going to beat me? Nobody. Go ahead. Send him. Send him. Send him. He was kind of presented similar to the way Roman is now. What am I going to do? I'm going to rack him and stack him. But... So it's it's kind of odd to me that everyone's talking about how Austin Theory is getting shoved down our throats. I don't know if they're paying attention. Yeah, he's being shoved down our throats. But as a heel, miley shit champion who's not being presented as a true threat at all, you know. Also, they gotta they gotta also be very careful on like how they book this guy because. Just because you get the world title thrown on you doesn't make you the guy. And that doesn't mean shit. Shit. Look at Jinder Mahal, okay? And I know that that touches your heart. It's close <laughs> to the best, all right? But Jinder Mahal. Media, baby. Jinder, Jinder Mahal was the world champion. And after he dropped that title, that was back in 2017 when he dropped. In 2018, he had a quick cup of coffee with the United States Championship. Ever since that, that was four years ago. He's been the in the island of irrelevancy. Granted, for granted, four years. there was a part of that where he was injured. I don't know how long, but he was definitely injured within like that time. But, but let, let, let's be honest. No, so just based you're on right. booking, this, this, injury this or not, team, right? This tag team with Shanky is the first relevant thing they've had him do since he returned from his most recent injury. Uh, I kind of like it with the whole Shanky wants to dance, but he, he, he can't do it unless Jinder has his head turned. It's funny. They're making me laugh, and eventually Shanky will turn on Jinder, and we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, you're right. They, they, that was one of those. How funny. Also, back to Jinder being champion, it was never even Vince that decided to end that reign. Brock literally saw him versus Jinder on the SummerSlam card and was like, or Survivor Series card and was like, yeah, guys, I'm not doing that. And then, and then SmackDown, all right, guys, we need a new champion. Like, Brock literally decided who the champion was going to be, or at least who it wasn't going to be. Listen, man, I didn't mind because it gave my boy AJ another world title run. So I obviously didn't right. care. And it gave us a phenomenal match, no pun, between AJ oh, yeah. and Brock as well. But Absolutely. It's just, listen, I just hope that with Vince leaving, some good comes out of this and we see some change. Obviously, it's not going to happen right away. But maybe the repetitiveness, the same fucking matches week after week after week after week, that changes because it's like I'm tired of seeing all these repetitive matches. Listen, you could criticize all you want about AEW, but guess what? Every single Wednesday night, it feels fresh. It's excitement. It's exciting. You feel that every Wednesday, regardless on how you feel the direction of the product. You feel that excitement. When I watch Monday Night Raw and SmackDown, guess who's not excited? I'm not. I skim through it, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. This is just same old shit. 
Yeah, it, it, and it's not nearly it, for me as a wrestling fan. And this isn't all like, I love AEW, I hate WWE. I'm a wrestling fan, and AEW on a regular basis gives me more wrestling. It gives me better wrestling. It puts the emphasis on the wrestling. And with WWE, even if it pairs up two wrestlers that I really want to see wrestle, odds are they're not emphasizing the wrestling. They're not going out of their way to give me, they're giving me seven minutes. Four of it's going to be during a commercial break. You know what I mean? So, and it, it, like, obviously, I, there's a lot of things about WWE I do enjoy. But more often than not, it seems like I, it, there's definitely a lot more areas for improvement. And you hope that whoever now steps into a new role kind of realizes that that is their job. We now have to improve the product because there's going to be more magnifying glasses on us than ever. There's going to be a lot of people really checking out what's changes, what doesn't, what's good, what's bad. Um, we, what do you think about the rumor we heard with Brock Lesnar walking out apparently saying, uh, saying, if Vince is gone, I'm gone too. Which I also thought was hilarious because, well, obviously nobody would say that if a 77-year-old man actually decided to retire. So obviously his reaction lets us know that there was somewhere else saying, all right, Vince, got to go. Well, it's safe to say that Brock is a Vince guy, for better or for worse, okay? <laughs> that's, that's safe to say. Um, him walking out. I'm sorry, brother. I got to cut you off. Vince is a Brock guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's better. That's better. Vince is a Brock guy. Okay. Um, so with, with Brock walking out, like, listen, shit happens. And I think a lot of people, especially, like, on my end, people got upset with me and got all butthurt because I posted a funny meme, you know? If you, if you follow us at Lucha Outsiders, right, if you read, like, the information on our page, it says news, reviews, comedy this is what we do okay all right well you might give you an opinion of, of something you might get all butthurt and not like all right and we'll give you comedy stuff here and there all right so i made this funny meme of michael cole and pat mcafee after sasha banks and naomi walked out saying like hey you know brock lesnar let us all down his actions disappointed millions of wwe fans and fellow superstars you know that was a wink and a nod to what happened with sasha banks and naomi and people got all upset with me, saying, like, oh, well, Brock is different levels from Sasha and Naomi. And people say, oh, well, he showed up on SmackDown. So, you know, this is a... Uh, so you were wrong. You were wrong. Like, it's a fucking meme, guys. Like, it's it's just funny. Ha ha. He, he slap on the knee. Like, anyways. Listen, Brock walking out, it doesn't surprise me. That sounds like a Brock thing to do. Okay? But at the same time, that doesn't mean that cooler heads can't prevail... And there was a conversation there, which I there's guess that's what happened. Involved. And also there's a contract involved. But at the same time, let's be honest here. Brock Lesnar does what Brock Lesnar wants. So it doesn't surprise me if Brock if Brock Lesnar would have decided, you know what, fuck this. I'm not I'm leaving. I'm not coming back. That wouldn't have surprised me either. But Cooler Heads prevailed. He ended up showing up at the end of SmackDown and he F five them Austin Theory, which that always pops me. Austin Theory getting beat up. Uh, so <laughs> shit, I beat the brakes off that man. So that that popped me and we still have this SummerSlam match, which Roman Reigns is now the new Brock, because I feel like I see more Brock than I see Roman Reigns. Yeah, which is which, which is funny. I'll be honest. When I first heard the rumor, like, and maybe this is just because when it comes to dirt sheets, like, I, I really don't believe most of the shit. It, it, unless, like, so, Sap, I, I believe a little bit more. He, he's 
you know, he's pretty good at verifying his shit. Yep. If it starts with Meltzer or Alvarez or any of those guys, I really don't believe a goddamn thing. I, I, don't I take a little bit more Alvarez than Meltzer because I feel like Meltzer's the type of guy that he'll twist his own opinions and make it into, like, it's a real story and real news. I feel like Meltzer does that more than Alvarez. Yeah, fair enough. Definitely agree with that one. But, like, with a lot of these, I just, so, it's not even that, like, maybe Brock did walk out, but, like, you don't know, just because he left the arena, you don't maybe know. Maybe he like, to go get mean? a burger. Maybe he was yeah, hungry. that's legit, yo. Motherfucker hungry, okay? <laughs> you know, maybe he had a phone call. Maybe, he had to step out. He to go get a steak. He killed the steak and then cooked it and then came back, you know? Maybe he was frustrated about Vince, but all he really needed to do was take a drive, you know? Maybe he just got to crank up some Mumford, Mumford and Son and, and ease his, you know, everyone's, oh, Brock's gone. He left, he ran away. He's never coming back. So, so I mean, I didn't, I didn't really, I'm sure where there's smoke, there's a little bit of fire. Um, to me, it seems a little silly, but if there is, you know, fire in this situation, it makes you wonder. I don't think there was a chance Brock was going to beat Roman, but also I wonder what's happening because now this is just another, like Roman really has beaten everyone now. He's beaten them all and they, WWE and this is one of the things I think we hope changes without Vince, but WWE has not put any emphasis. They used to put emphasis in building superstars up away from the championship so that whenever they wanted to put them into the championship picture, boom, they'd be set up. Now they don't do this. They only build up people when they've decided, okay, let's get them in the championship contention. And that doesn't work, especially when Roman Reigns has been holding it for over two, three years. So... What do you think happens with like? Because now Roman Reigns has both belts. Does Austin Theory cash in on both belts, or does he only just pick one of them? They made a huge, huge mistake putting both titles on Roman, and it's not that I listen. I've said I have gone on record and said if the rumored match between Rock and Roman happens at SummerSlam, I mean SummerSlam at WrestleMania 39, if that's what the rumored main event and rumor match is going to happen. I feel like Roman should win that match and still have the universal title. I've got, listen, I want Roman Reigns with that universal title to have like a Bruno San Martino type run. Like, I just have, keep, let him, let him keep holding that title. But they made a mistake putting, putting the world ball. title on him now because like, I feel like even w if they separate the titles again, like if there's a scenario. Or like Adam Pierce tells Roman Reigns, well, you think you're such a big shot or whatever. You know what? You're going to defend the Universal title and the World title in two separate matches, right? If they go in that direction, I feel like once Roman gets pinned and loses, it, it still takes away a little yeah. bit of his magic. Right. Even if, right. he if he continues holding the Universal title. But but see but see that's what they need to do. They need to start having him defend both titles so that one can get lost but and i agree with you though he can't lose he can't get pinned so they have to go ahead back to old faithful and they got to put like a four-way dance on the car yes you i know? said that too yep and then, and then that way somebody else can take the pin maybe even maybe it's theory maybe maybe somebody pins theory drew mcintyre pins austin theory in a triple threat or fatal four-way or maybe it's aj styles but one of those guys gets the title one of the titles off roman without Roman getting pinned, and because it's split, whoever that person is would now be champion of a completely different show. So Roman, they don't even have to deal with Roman no more. Roman can then stay on the other show, probably SmackDown. He can remain 
pissed off that he lost his title without getting pinned, but also continue being dominant and talking about, but nobody can pin me. Nobody can. One-on-one, who's going to stop me? Who's taking this belt? And then can continue with this unstoppable reign, as you alluded to, San Martino vibes with. But, but yeah, you're right. At this point, as they've almost started, like he's got two belts, but they're treating it as if it's one championship. So now I don't know what happens to separate them or to get them off Roman. I almost feel like he's going to hold it until he's really ready to go off to Hollywood. And then like once he can't, when Roman drops his belt, he's a hundred percent taking more time off. Roman doesn't drop his title and then actually engage in a feud where he's trying to get that title back. Roman doesn't engage in a feud where he's not competing for a championship. This they've established Roman as a championship only fighter I truly think this is it for him. When Roman Reigns drops this title, I think he, right off to Hollywood, starts getting small roles like Rock did. He'll come back, maybe beat a legend, take another title every once in a while. And then I, I think I think we're seeing the beginning of the end of the wrestling career of Roman Reigns right now. I was kind of hoping when this rumor came out of Brock leaving, which him walking out is not a rumor that he did walk out. It's just like the whole him being pissed off, whatever. What fast food restaurant did he go for? Right, right. That's like, there's like a gray area there. But um, I was kind of hoping, like, I was like, when this was all going on on Friday, I was like, you know what would be pretty cool if if Brock did indeed walk out and he needed like another main event. And I think it would have been nice to get like. Death Rollins. Oh, wait. Well, he's facing Riddle. Yeah, yeah, that's why I just said away. As I was well. thinking, like maybe what they should do is like get like someone from Raw and then someone on SmackDown and make it a triple threat match where, you know, you could afford have Roman losing maybe one of the titles. Like, let's say if it would have been like AJ from Raw and Drew McIntyre on SmackDown, right? Like, you could have had the triple threat and then someone gets pinned without Roman getting pinned and you have him lose one of the titles. I don't know. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, what if they do this? And for the record, this will never happen. This is just hypothetical stuff. Right. What if whether Roman just decides, you know, this guy's not worthy of my time, I'm not wrestling him, or maybe they throw an injury angle in the way. But what if he start, gets to the point where he, they make it so that Jimmy Uso is going to fight on behalf of him to defend one title, and Jey Uso is going to fight on his behalf to defend another title. And Jey Uso wins the title, wins and actually defends Roman's championship, and Jey Uso loses one of Roman Reigns' championships. That, that, would, that would never happen. I think it would be a cool idea, <laughs> it would but never it would happen. never happen. And, Wait, it you know what? and it definitely wouldn't happen at a SummerSlam. It would happen like in one of these like B pay per views, like in Extreme Rules or something. <laughs> nah, bro, it's gonna happen in like six months. Ring of Honor's gonna do it. Oh. <laughs> well, listen, if we we always ask the question, John Moxley will somehow get hurt. Well, <laughs> we said so. What we said, we always have this uh, uh, like running joke on here, right? We always say like, "What's the the most WWE AEW could do?" Right. And it's like putting Ring of Honor like on True TV, right? That would be like the most WWE thing they would do, right? <laughs> but now let's flip it. What's the most AEW thing WWE could do? And that's you know have Roman drop the title without dropping it, like being in the match, and then we have an interim WWE championship. Yep. Yep. That's hundred percent it. <laughs> I don't. You know what? I don't know, man. I think. And then another thing is, how many times has have we seen Roman and Brock? I think it's like seven matches, one-on-one matches or something. In like how many years, too? <laughs> <laughs> like, like this, this, 
this is, this is spanning. This is going on for more than most TV shows get seasons. Like, it, it's, I think it's since 2015. I want to say we've been. And what's like, sad is from like the beginning seven, of it, the, the people, the fans revolted. Nobody actually wanted. And now this. people are invested in Roman and Brock. WWE came out with like a Monte Cristo style revenge of just kind of like we're gonna make you want to see these two wrestle. We will not stop until you want this match. And and listen, we wanted at Mania. This is the first time people were actually invested in the Brock and Roman story at Mania, and then they dropped the ball with the match. The match was yeah. good. And they and now and now it's they're trying to make SummerSlam. And it's like I don't know, man. And then, like, and then the two previous Manias where they fought each other, whatever. The matches are good, but the crowd just didn't want it. Hey, yeah. I got I got you the numbers. Brock Lesnar's Roman Reigns seven matches total against each other, four singles matches, two triple threats, and one fatal four way. They're three and three. I'm not going to lie. Leo just got me more excited in the match than WWE should have given us those stats. Those <laughs> stats right there. Three or three, that's a solid. Okay, well, now I get it. Now, I, all right, give me the match. Now I'm into it. All right. Crown Let's Jewel. Let's strong. Oh, man. Listen, seven times in a lifetime, okay? <laughs> Speaking of, of SummerSlam, SummerSlam yeah. feels very um, WrestleMania, Jace, okay? We got Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar for the Undisputed Universal Championship. You have the Usos versus the Street Profits where, I, listen, while their matches have been great, their match at Money in the Bank was fucking phenomenal. I thought uh, between the yeah. Street Profits and Usos, but it's like, how many times are we going to see this? I thought, I honestly thought, you know what I did think? I thought this match was going to be two out of three falls. They can't do that now. No, no they're not going to do that now. They can't do that now. You have... Uh, Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch again, which imagine, listen, their WrestleMania match was fantastic, but we're getting that again. Right. Uh, Logan Paul and The Miz, that's going back to the WrestleMania um, story. Liv Morgan, Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey is going to be very telling if Liv Morgan is going to become a transitional champion or they're going to just strap that belt on uh, Ronda again. WrestleMania SummerSlam. Bobby Lashley versus Austin Theory for the United States title, which I don't understand why this match is even happening because Theory feels more part of the Roman and Brock story than him feuding with Lashley. Come on, bro. You're a fucking diehard. You know how WWE rolls. They always have their Money in the Bank loser lose. The Money in the Bank briefcase holder always loses on every pay-per-view so that when they cash in later they never see it coming it happens every pay-per-view theory will not win a pay-per-view match until he loses that briefcase i promise you so that's why that's why they always he lost when he won the briefcase listen I'll, in a perfect world okay and i know we're all here for building new stars but in a perfect world somehow Dolph ziggler gets that briefcase off austin theory that's Yo, speaking hope. of which, what the fuck was that? I thought maybe Ziggler was going to get added to this championship match. No. It, Theory's feuding with Ziggler. He's feuding with Mad Cat Moss. He's feuding with the Bloodline. He's feuding with Lashley. Does anybody like this guy? I, I don't understand what's and, happening. And technically, you could, also, you could also say AJ has a claim because AJ beat him on Raw. Right. Hey, I wonder if that's what happens. Maybe, um, maybe that's what happens. They just come out and say, you know what? Vince is the one that put you in this match, in the in the Money in the Bank match, but Vince is gone. So now we're going to have a ladder match for that briefcase all over again. Come on out. And like, and then and that's why all these people, of Ziggler comes out, AJ comes out, Matt Kemos, everybody comes I on will, out. I would love to see that, but I don't think that's going to happen. So, I wish it would happen the way you did it, too. Like, come on. Let's <laughs> 
But would would they name Vince going forward with anything like him leaving? Do you guys think? What, hold on. What, what was that question like, again? Would they name Vince on TV? Oh, like, absolutely. No, absolutely. no. Acknowledge so. it. Because remember, there's one thing that he retired. And another thing is that he left. So well, if they he wouldn't keep, say Vince. They say Mr. McMahon. No, no, no. But I'm saying like would they, would they portray him in the wrong light? Because remember, he's still 51% owner. Well, what's when when you say the wrong light? Well, you well, mean yeah, that you're blurring reality and fiction, right? Okay, because so, like in story, <laughs> yeah, on SmackDown, on SmackDown, Stephanie right. led the fans in a thank you Vince chant. Yes, right, but that's reality, right? Now, if we're talking about in story, it's like, do you want to blur the lines where like, well, Vince is not here no longer, and Vince puts you in the money bank match? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but but won't that won't that affect him? Because what you want to do is you want to separate him from the product as much as possible. So when the shit does come out that he did all this crazy shit, it doesn't affect their numbers, their money wise. Right, but what I'm saying is they since they already kind of like theories, gimmick push whatever you want to call it has essentially all been yeah vince mcmahon wants me to not not just vince mcmahon says i'm a future store vince mcmahon is literally pulling strings and putting me in matches and doing this to make me a star mm -hmm. so whether they want to or not this is the table they've set up right. if they do want to officially you know go ahead with a post mr mcmahon wwe it may serve for just one segment to actually have them acknowledge okay. hey just so you know you don't run shit anymore theory i do and it can be um why am i blanking on adam pierce right? adam pierce adam pierce adam pierce can can make a stand and just make it clear and maybe he makes him defend his briefcase maybe he just makes him get beat up all the time i really but, i really hope brady's like the way brady's scenario <laughs> i really hope that's reality but what's the you, what's the other typical wwe thing they could do without having Vince involved, and it's like, let's have a winner-takes-all match in a fatal four-over for the briefcase and the United States Championship between Lashley, Theory, AJ, and Ziggler. Well, you know what's funny? I mean, with, with Ziggler getting into the Theory situation... For no and, apparent reason. We still don't even know why. Right, for no real reason. And then, as you said, AJ... And with us not really knowing what's happening with Roman. I didn't even think Lashley career. was on TV this week. <laughs> no, I don't think he was either. I think I actually kind of forgot about the U.S. match while Raw was happening. Well, listen, uh, Monday Night Raw is pretty forgettable. So. Fair enough. <laughs> but so I, I, a part of me was wondering if maybe they were, in fact, you know, with this last man standing happening matching, uh, match happening, putting the title on theory and setting Theory up for his next batch of contenders, someone like a Ziggler, where the fans would obviously be in favor of Ziggler winning the championship again. You can always get behind Ziggler as a face contender for your world championship, especially when you've got a smarmy heel like Theory. It also screams somebody that Theory would beat, somebody that wouldn't actually be a threat to him. So, like, a part of me was wondering if Ziggler coming out, starting a feud without actually starting a feud, is simply to set up the next challenger. Um, you know, with, with like I say, Roman's career's uh, up in the air. His future is rock. We don't know what's going on. But this last standing match certainly seems like a Money in the Bank briefcase holder's wet dream. I, I don't. I, I could easily. It, it doesn't mean that he has to uh, successfully cash in. I mean, if Roman wins, the Usos are still there to stop 
theory from taking advantage. So you never know. You can also, oh, I can also see like a scenario which I can see it like while it's happening, I can see the crowd popping huge for it. But then it's like long term, is it going to like really hurt theory? And that's like, because think about it. If Austin Theory cashes in, does he cash in during the match or after the match? Because if it's during. Oh, you have to do it after the match. I mean, I guess if they're both down and the referee right. is like. Does it be does it, does it become like a triple threat last man standing match or does it become just a regular triple threat while he's catching in? I feel like I feel like there'd be two different matches going on. I feel like Roman or Brock would have to make them one of the others lay down for ten seconds, but Theory just has to pin one of them, which would actually make cashing in during that match the most genius move in the world. Oh wait a minute, but unless they really do say triple threat last right. man standing, right. which negates everything. Oh wait, it's WWE. They won't do any of the above. I could see, I could see a scenario where whoever wins between Brock and Roman, and let's just say it's Roman, right, that goes over, and then Theory tries to catch in, and Roman is like, you know, beat up or whatever. Brock just beats the shit out of Theory, and Roman still wins, and it's just a failed catch in. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. Don't get me wrong. Listen, the crowd will pop huge for that. Yeah. And it's just a failed cash. And it's just, in a perfect world, if we're going to put the title on Theory, Theory takes one of the titles away from Roman. That's what I was saying. I was like, I, he shouldn't be able to cash in to become Undisputed Champion, which is what he said in his promos, which right. makes me think they're using his promos as a way of establishing, mm -hmm. you know, the way it's going to work now. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, Roman has two title, two belts, but this is one championship yeah. now. Yeah. And that I don't agree with. I think if you cash in, you got to decide which championship you're taking right then and there. Take one. And then, vamoose, on to the other show with your championship. That, that would actually extend the storyline because then now you could take the time where he can't decide which title he wants to go after. And that kind of gives the time for whoever's on the floor, Roman. For him to stand up. Yeah, if the referee goes like, which title, which title, and Theory's just like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Storytelling. Because that's key. That's key. Because if the referee does ask Theory which title, then you're like, okay, we're going to get a new, we're going to get a new champion. I mean, technically, if it's the same person holding both titles, you may as well just let him have the match. And then afterwards, you pick one. All right, you won. Which one do you want? And new. Wait, hold on. Black which one you want? <laughs> which one you want? Black or blue? Black and blue. <laughs> oh man! Listen. You always pick black. What do you? What? Do you, so wait. I remember you said. Um, I'm sorry. Continue. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. What were you saying? Well, no, I was gonna say about like, do you think there's a chance? Because there's always the tease out there. Do you think there's a chance Paul Heyman has has like a definitive role here? People have been saying Paul Heyman would join Theory. I don't think there's a shot in hell. People have been saying Paul Heyman is going to join. Let me tell you something. If if Paul Heyman does go, if the if that does happen, I tell you what, you make it, it you make Theory more interesting in my book. Now now I'm intrigued about it. I think if if that's the direction they want to go, I feel like automatically the association with Heyman and Theory makes Austin Theory more intriguing and now i'm interested because right now guess what guess who's not interested in austin theory and that's this guy right here i'm sorry mm. i'm just not he does nothing for me and it's not his fault i'm mm. not saying because theory has all the potential the way to be booked. the guy but the way you're portraying him 
I'm just not intrigued by him. And I know I'm not the only one. Yeah, no, you're right. It's definitely a trend happening. And it's 100% on WWE. It's on the booking. It's on the presentation. Um, and he really, he does have, he does have the tools. I do think Heyman with him could work. But what's the reasoning? Like, if in a world where McMahon is still around, you could say Heyman decided to be on McMahon's good side again. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's that. But in this world, why would Heyman turn his back on three men, all of which who could beat the shit out of him, solely to help one guy who, as I said, is being portrayed as a smarmy chicken shit heel, getting his ass kicked by Brock and Roman all the time? You know, what's, you know, where's, where's the reason? Maybe he could say, like, he was just tired of being Roman's bitch and being scared of Roman or, I don't know, something. So you could go something like that. That's I his rival chief, man. I, That's I, his tribal chief. Yeah, I know. I, I, and you know what? I do love, like, the entrance alone, even though it takes two commercial breaks to get Roman's entrance, like, like the whole thing, right? Yeah. I do love how when you get the pyro and they're standing at the stage, I do love Paul Heyman just sitting there putting his hands like while he's yeah. praying and you just yes. see all the, 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 the fireworks. And I, I love the whole presentation. And I have said multiple times we're at the point, we've been at the point where Roman no longer needs Paul. No. Like Paul Heyman would be useful with someone else. And, and I already know who I would put him with. And, and if, if we're getting into some of these other matches, I'll happily bring it up. Uh, when we get there, but theory would benefit a lot more than than Roman. Like Roman's at the point where he's good without him. Usos are are at the point where they've been established time and time again as like one of the best tag teams WWE has. It just I don't think Heyman's needed there anymore, and he'd be he'd be uh, best used elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Oh, what what's another? Because listen, when it comes to next week. I'm actually more excited about the Ric Flair's last match card <laughs> than SummerSlam. But what what else? Uh, and, and I do want to touch on that real quick. But what else grabs your attention on the SummerSlam card? Well, so SummerSlam, you 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 seemed a bit interested in how it would go down when you first started talking about it. So Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey, where Liv Morgan, she just she 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 cashed in immediately when she got it, which I do not agree with. I hate when they do that. And, and here we are with, with Ronda Rousey, who has essentially looked unbeatable up until now. Liv Morgan, you seemed a bit scared about what you call the transitional reign. You think we're getting that? I, so I wasn't paying close attention to SmackDown this week, so I didn't see if... But one, so prior to this, one thing I always notice when it, comes to, when it comes to the championships, the championships, whether it's the two world titles and the two women's titles, I always pay attention to the nameplates because if, if we have a new champion and there's no new nameplate on it, that's very telling to me that they're not going to hold the title that long. And I know last week on SmackDown, Liv Morgan didn't have her custom nameplates on the side, which scares me and tells me this is not going to be a long-term thing. I thought, she, I thought she just got the nameplates, didn't so she? If she so if she just got them this week on okay. SmackDown, then that means, hey, maybe there's something there. But if she didn't, if it, okay, so she, she just got them. Okay, yeah. so now that changes my opinion a bit, okay? I was yeah. scared. So now, okay, now I'm thinking like, okay, maybe she could retain, but it's going to be 
the way she wins, I feel like it's not going to be a dominant win. What I mean by that is it's probably going to be like a roll-up or like something very quick where she gets the better of Ronda. I feel like Ronda's going to destroy Liv in the match, though. For that simple-ass nameplate, it really took them that fucking long to put it together. I was just going to say that, Leo. I was just going to say I'm like, it doesn't worry me that it took them long to get the nameplate. It worries me that they didn't think to do that eye logo that they're using. No, watch me live. Just weird-ass L. And an IV. It's like Rugrats font. It's like the Rugrats font. So, somebody did that on paint. Like Rugrat made that font. <laughs> that has uh, that has Tommy Pickles written all over it. Oh boy. I mean, so so here's my thing. I I will say this. I don't think. I don't think they're giving up on Liv yet. Like I think they are invested. I think with Sasha and Naomi leaving, they're they're making pivots. I think certain women are going to get pushes, and I think Liv is one of them. I think she's gotten the reactions since she's won. They've gotten even louder. I think the – I've read the other day or two that the merch sales have been through the roof. From what I'm reading, and from a business standpoint, the Liv Morgan Championship reign, as short as it's been so far, has been a success. So I don't think they're done pushing her. I could easily see her actually beating Ronda. It would, like I said, it would probably be roll-up style – or maybe a random wrestler decides to distract Ronda for another few purposes and then Liv's able to take advantage. I don't know. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm still very nervous Liv could drop it, but if she did, I do think it would be in her benefit. If she drops it, and this is, I I don't think it's going to happen, but this is just me hypothetically throwing it out there, spinning some wheel, and actually, a part of me wishes it happened. I think Ronda Rousey needs Shayna Baszler to actually align with her. I don't know who they've got Shayna teaming up with these days. If it's still Natty, if it's Tamina, I don't know or care. But Shayna needs to just be with Ronda. And Ronda and Shayna should be with Paul Heyman. That's who needs him. Let That's him the talk. only person on the roster who needs him. Ronda fucking Rousey. And you, you add in Shayna, give him a nice little team to work with, even if he teamed up with Theory. That would actually, in a weird-ass way, work. But but legit. So if Ronda teams up with Shayna, goes full heel, you even throw him the wise man. Liv drops the title, but it's now more over than ever because now we've got an actual chase going. You know, now, now Liv is set up where, oh, I had my taste and I want it back. And who knows what she goes for then. Granted... Uh, most people wouldn't be nearly as hopeful as the presentation I'm surrendering here because, well, it makes fuck, sense. how's Liv going to get it back? She only need, she had the briefcase. That's how she got it. So if you want to push Liv as a champion champion, you got to have her win here. But I could see WWE wanting to go long game with this because if you keep the belt on Liv, smart money says the fans would eventually turn on her because the fans hate babyface champions. It just doesn't work more often than not. I mean, Bianca's not nearly as over as she used to be. She's still over, but not... Very over, just not nearly as much. Right. Like, for example, Becky Lynch was just as over at Money in the Bank as Bianca was. So now they're facing each other. Am I convinced the fans aren't going to cheer Becky? Not 100%. I miss the man, Becky Lynch. I miss that presentation. I miss the leather jacket. I miss the long hair. I miss that kind of like rock star dark look of Becky Lynch. Because this version of Becky, even though I know the story they're telling where it's like, you know, she's hitting rock bottom and then little by little she's going to build herself back up. I don't mind that story. But just this 
It, listen, Seth Rollins having this obnoxious look works for Seth Rollins. He knows how to work it. He gets it. Becky, to me, this big-time Beck shit, I hate it. Listen, if you can't use the man anymore, just call Becky Lynch the guy or the dude. It works just as good, okay? First off, I I definitely think they could use the man. It has nothing to do with Rick or any of that shit. I don't think they can use the man because of the fact that the... Like, I don't think you can duplicate what that was. That the man was something very organic and very natural. The man was something that the fans made her, whether whether it started out that way when she was cutting promos or not. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. The fans wanted her to be the champ, wanted her to get the push for so long, and then everything just happened at the same time. But now she's no longer the man. The fans don't look at her and say, yes, she's the best. Everyone needs to push her because they've got new shiny toys that they're saying that for. Whether it's Bianca, whether it's Liv. You know what I mean? So now I do think it's important. All my favorite wrestlers in the world have always reinvented themselves multiple times over. And it didn't always last, and it wasn't always winners, but they keep going. I love Chris Jericho. He reinvents himself all the time, gets all the credit in the world. You know what they never talk about? Chris Jericho calling himself the king of the world. Because that was silly. But it was something he did for a while. It helped get him heal heat. He had those weird pirate ship braids on his beard. And it, it worked for a while. It worked. And then he went a different way. So I think we're experiencing Becky's King of the World moment with Big Time Bex. That's a good, that's a good comparison. New, that's a very because the fans don't want to boo Becky. They don't want right. to boo her. Right. They but, don't. They have no interest. I do agree with that's a really good comparison when Chris Jericho, out of all his monikers and stuff, the King of the World one, and that was like around the time I think Saliva had made a song for Chris Jericho too. He's the King of my world. <laughs> There you go. There you go. People don't talk about that that version of Jericho because right. it and didn't to hit. To be honest, it didn't hit. Years now, I don't know if I don't know. Time will tell if we're talking about this because I'm a wizard, Chris Jericho. Either. Yeah, <laughs> I man. Don't, listen, I don't le, uh, le Champion that worked. That worked that a thousand percent. Hundred percent worked. Painmaker worked. Listen, I'll even throw. I'll, I'll even say Demo God even worked. But oh, the wizard, not into the wizard. But I will say this. You know, even though I, I have certain feelings about the, the, the bar wire match that we got on, on Wednesday night, I will say Jericho's new pain maker shirt, that looks dope. I need uh, that's yeah. like an instant buy for me. Yeah, that was dope. I, I definitely love the shirt. Dope. I definitely love the shirt. But uh back to the whole SummerSlam of it all when it comes to Becky Lynch. Listen, I, I just wanna at some point I wanna go back to like the man presentation, even if we're not calling her the man. Right. I, I just I'm not feeling this version of Becky, and I love Becky Lynch. Okay, I love her, I love her. I just not feeling this version of her. My prediction, and listen, I've been wrong many times, but my prediction is this iteration is coming to an end. I don't think WWE can ignore the face reaction she's getting for too much longer, and I think it's irresponsible to keep having her having to come up with these ridiculous outfits or whatever she has to do to make people hate her, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's what she's doing. She's bending over backwards to try and make herself, um, as loathful as possible. When in reality, the fans still acknowledge her as one of the best female promos in the, in the, in the game. 
They acknowledge her as one of the best female workers in the game. They acknowledge her as a character and as a personality that they have been watching and have been attached to for years. Not to mention the fact that in 2022, aside from what's on TV, Kayfabe's dead. We see on Twitter all the amazing things Becky Lynch does for fans, even not her fans. I saw a story not too long ago where a fan dressed as Becky Lynch I'm sorry, dressed as Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch grabbed her and introduced her to Bianca. Amazing things. We read about this on Twitter. And admit it or not, I'm sure a lot of the fans cheering Becky are influenced by stories like that. So I do think eventually they're going to have to pivot. And I think Becky's going to have to reinvent herself yet again. So I want to talk about this before we wrap up. up, And that's uh, Ric Flair's last match card. And it's the return of Jim Crockett promotions. Conrad Thompson has said that this is going to be like uh, Jim Crockett promotions, kind of like their one uh, one night stand esque, where you have all these different promotions involved in the show. You have AEW, New Japan, MLW, Impact, uh, Triple A, like Time Machine. Yeah, it's like you have all these. It kind of has like an all in type feel. And, it has a forbidden door feel. Yeah, yeah. You have all these promotions working together. And, you know, when this first got dropped a couple months ago, like, hey, Ric Flair's going to have this last match, I was like, man, I'm really, I really could care less about Ric Flair having this last match. But you know what? Credit to Conrad and everyone that's working with him because besides it ha- having, like, a really great card, the, the undercard is phenomenal. I'm kind of invested in this main event, and that's Ric Flair tagging with his son-in-law, Andrade, versus Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. I'm... Listen, I don't know if you've been watching like the 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 YouTube of kind of like road to it, but yo, they they got me excited for this card and this main event. I'm more intrigued for this than I am for SummerSlam. The whole card. Yeah, I think once again, I feel like that's the draw that most wrestling promotions have over WWE, where we're we're looking at this wrestling card, and these are legit dream matches. You know, or, or not even if they're not dream matches, maybe you've seen them already. But these are very cool, Throwbacks. you know, mix them up matches where you're kind of like, oh, what if I could see the the wolves, you know, wrestle together versus the Motor City Machine Guns? Oh wait, I can. Great. What if I want to see the Von Erichs versus the Briscoes? Oh wait, not those Briscoes. Other Briscoes, still cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> not those Briscoes. The other Briscoes. Then you have like the, the, this, which I think is a semi-main, if I'm not mistaken. You have Josh Alexander, who's been killing it in Impact as an Impact World Champion, okay? Defending yeah. his Impact Championship against an MLW contracted wrestler, Jacob Fatu. That's fucking dope. That's big. Like, that's big. And it's cool. These are like the, these are the things you only get from indie shows where you go and you don't know who's on the card, what company they may be with that got booked for that particular show, you know, what championship they're going to be fighting for. And, and, and so this, this card looks very, it's just stacked. Super stack. Laredo Kid Bandito versus the Lucha Brothers. Oh, wait, no, not Lucha Brothers. Phoenix and Taurus. Sorry. Yeah, it's a Fatal 4-Way, um, which you have. That's like the AAA element. So, oh, that's the Fatal 4-Way. All right. Yeah, so that it, this whole card, like to me, like I said, like, I'm more excited for this than I am for SummerSlam. Yeah. No, it's going to be a dope card. And it's funny because when Ric Flair first started throwing out the training videos for his last match, I, I kind of started chuckling because I'm like, really? Like, you're not done yet? Really? But this, the, the, the fact that they went out of their way to really make the card 
a reason to tune in. I, I think that's honorable. And and his you know his son-in-law coming in, and yeah, that match is gonna be dope. Jarrett and Lethal doing it for him, like it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. I can't wait to see Lethal woo. <laughs> I went I went on uh, I went on record and I think I did it in the story when I posted the beatdown on Ric Flair. And listen, I'm Team Jarrett and Lethal, and I know that's a very unpopular opinion, but you know what? Ric Flair had this coming to it because his old ass back is always talking shit. All right. He belittled my guy, Jay Lethal. Okay. And you know what? He had this beatdown coming to it. So you know what? I hope he loses. I hope he loses his last match. I'm Team Jared and Lethal. Okay? You think he's going to lose? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I know. I know his son in law, Conrad, is the, promo- is the promoter. Okay. I get it. But still, I'm Team Jared and Lethal. And we talk shit about Vince putting himself over. <laughs> he, he better lose. He needs to lose. He should lose, okay? He should lose his last match, just saying. Okay? I mean, let's be real. And Jay Lethal goes like, I'm sorry. I don't love you. <laughs> what? How is Ric Flair going to win? Andrade's going to do all the work. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, how would Ric Flair win? His his figure fell up. It never, nobody tapped out to that. Not never. Not never. Nobody Rick, taps out to the figure four. Ric Flair's finally going to jump off the top rope and nail it. Oh, my like, God. Do you think? And no way. No way. That's what happens. He jumps, they move, and that's the end of the match. And just buys bombs. You know how, like, <laughs> it's gonna sound so fucked up, but you know how when old people fall, it takes them like an hour to actually fall? Like, Rick <laughs> 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 Flair's gonna take like at least like <laughs> 10 minutes to jump from the top rope. <laughs> Right. And, and, and Jay Lethal is going to just sell it, too. Jay Lethal is going to sell it because he's a pro. <laughs> oh, oh <my laughs> it's yeah. cool how many second-generation wrestlers are on the card, though. Yeah, man. Yeah. You, wow. you have Brian Pillman and Brock Anderson, which that tag team to me, that that it sounds more intriguing than some of the stuff that Pillman is doing in yeah. AEW with um, Chris right. Harrison. Oh, yeah. That whole Varsity Blondes tag team has kind of run its course. Yeah. Um, I'm glad Julia Hart got switched over to the black side. She's killing it with them. I, I love that stable. I think she fits in surprisingly well. Yep, me too. The Varsity Blondes team has never really clicked with me, mainly because it seems like, like, aren't you guys are grown-ass men. Why are you wearing some high school Letterman jackets? Like, come on, grow up. I think for me, it just sounded like a, a creative tag team. It was just two guys. Yeah. Like, that was just like, hey... Even though with Pillman, you should have really been booking him as a single star from Jump Street, but whatever, yeah. you you didn't do that, and you just throw these two guys together. Hey, you guys got a good look. Let's put you guys in a tag team, and let's just throw Julia Hart in there too. Griff Garrison should be used for like a, a TV show about Chris Jericho's life, and he should be playing young Chris Jericho when he had the weird hair, like the fucking yeah. WWE yeah. debut Jericho. Like if Jericho wanted a show about him in college. Let have Griff Garrison play it. Let, let's just let's <laughs> green light that show. Let's get Brian Pillman on his own, and Griff Garrison could be a TV star. All right. The most WWE thing you could do is just say Griff Garrison is Jericho. Jungle Boy's lost brother or something. <laughs> they could tell us like the Dominic Toretto and Jacob Toretto. You know, John Cena being Dom. You know, Vin Diesel's brother that you didn't talk about in the previous fucking eight other that you, films that you never brought up. You never, we never brought this up, and then you could bring that up that Griff Garrison is, you know, Jungle Boy's brother. And he's mad that nobody knows Luke Perry has another kid. He's like, <laughs> you guys 
You got all the celebrity treatment, and I'm over here eating beans. Fuck you, TMZ. <laughs> <laughs> and then TMZ runs the story. Lou Perry cheated. <laughs> yeah, that that would be like the more intriguing storyline for Griff Garrison. Okay. This is the kid he had with Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's wrap up. Um, I want to get your thoughts on this, and we'll and we'll finish it up with uh. So AW, you had Fighter Fest Night Three because they, they did Fighter Fest in four nights, and we had uh the backyard uh back backyard. You had the barbed wire everywhere match where you had the Jericho Appreciation Society in a Shark Tank. Okay, they they did a cross promotion with Shark Week. I thought this match was entertaining, but I don't think it was a good match. I was entertained by the match, but overall, I don't think it was a good match. I think a lot of factors played into this. I think the commercial breaks didn't help. And then also, you know, you had the shenanigans with uh, Tate Conti coming out with the key. And then she's trying to, like, take forever to open up the shark cage. And you know what? The Jericho Appreciation Society was like, you know what? We could just fit right through the cage. Let's just squeeze ourselves through the cage. I don't think that helped out too. And the cameraman fucking showed it on TV. They're stupid. Yeah. The cameraman or whoever, we always say the cameraman when really it's the guy in like the truck deciding what angles we see. Yeah, yeah. That guy fucked up a lot that Yeah, he gets one of these. Congratulations. You plagued yourself. He gets definitely one of those. There was one time where, like, legit, and you could see in the ring it was being set up. You could see Kingston was about to smack somebody in their face. And literally, right when the slap happens, they show us Taz talking to William Regal. And you hear, you hear loud as shit the slap and the crowd. And you watch commentary freak the fuck out. And I'm like, are you? And then, of course, right back to the ring to see the guy on his ass. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You literally just like what that now that's a WWE move, and there's AEW doing it. I know, I know we we I know like the people that just shit on everything WWE does, and then and listen, we we could criticize WWE, and we could you know Kevin Dunn, you know you could say that he has a, has had a lot of fucking missteps when it comes to directing shit and camera angles, but listen that. The shit we see in AEW from time to time is just as bad. Okay, we gotta, we gotta. If we're gonna fucking criticize WWE with some of their camera angles, we gotta say the same thing about AEW. And right. yeah, it was definitely a lot of mistakes happening. In when I think of bad camera angles, I always think of uh, them showing us Roman Reigns' face when AJ Styles made his debut at the Royal Rumble. Like I always think of that one, and then the Edge return. The Edge return. Yeah. The edge the edge the turn, and, they, and they turn away for his epic spear on AJ. So, yeah, like the, those are the ones I always think of. And, and this definitely gave me those memories. Um, as for this barbed wire match, I'll say this, man. Like, the match was what ad, was advertised, you know? Like, they, they told us what they were going to give us, and they gave it to us. And it was a bit overbooked. Yeah, but, yeah. That's, you know, that's the and, best way and, to describe it. If there's one way I, to describe it. I cringed it, a little bit with Eddie Kingston screaming Shark Week, but I, I don't think anyone told him that. I think he was just, that's just his sense of humor. I think that's just him popping himself, Shark Week! That's, just, this, that's, just, that's just Eddie Kingston just ad-libbing. Yeah, that. 100% that's an ad-lib. And so, like, you know, after I cringed, I laughed. You know, I, I got out of it. Um, it's hard for me to, like, I, don't, I hate really criticizing these matches because, yeah, things went wrong and there was a, a key botch towards the end that just made them all look ridiculous. But at the end of the day, like, 
these guys are killing their bodies. Yes. This was gruesome. This was hardcore. And Jericho shouldn't even be doing this at the 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 the, the where he's at in the game now. Like Jericho, exactly. listen, Jericho, first ballot Hall of Famer. He's a fucking legend. Okay, you can make the argument that he's one of one of the greatest of all time. Okay, he shouldn't be doing this, and he still does it for the love of the game. Yeah, you know what's funny with Jericho, and it's funny, I didn't actually say this when we were talking about Vince, but this is kind of one of my go-to points when I talk about, listen, Vince did great things to the industry, but he wasn't perfect, and he didn't always know what the fuck he was talking about. Vince never actually viewed Chris Jericho as a top guy, never actually treated him that, never really placed him at the top and gave him a main event run. It never happened. There were certain times after Jericho left, made himself bigger, and then came back and started doing the best work of his career there were times vince had to lean into it a little bit and eventually at the pivot and say okay let's go with this and that but overall almost every other great wrestler in WWE history had a time as top guy you know orton had his time batista had his time cena had his time even at one point foley had his time jericho really never got it if he got the belt it was to put it to that's, edge that's a misconception everybody thinks just because you're giving the world championship you're the guy and that's not it like as much as i love aj right. styles and he's a sean he's like he's like the second coming of sean michaels right or like yeah. he's right there with sean michaels you know but while aj had a long title run as the world champion he was never the guy right right and so like jericho we're talking about he's been with them for over a decade there should have been that time especially all the times he kept coming back and getting the pops and reactions and reinventing himself. He was never really giving it to him. So I do think, and then it wasn't until he finally did what he told himself he'd never do. Goes elsewhere, leaves Vince, works with other promoters where he can essentially write his own ticket. He can essentially write his own script. He can do whatever he wants. Why call yourself the pain maker? Why don't you call yourself the wizard? Why don't call yourself the cool shaker? It doesn't fucking matter. You can, you know, you want to have this match, that match? Sure, do it. So I feel like now, as crazy as to seem, we're at Chris Jericho's bucket list point of his career. And so without, you know, WWE, he's able to do all these things to the point where now is the first time Chris Jericho's really being talked about as the GOAT. It really just started happening recently. It started happening after. After he left WWE. Yeah, and he went to New Japan, and he was treated as a top guy. And he comes to AEW, and he, he's treated as a top guy. And even without the championship, he's been without championship for so long now, he still is Chris Jericho, and he's able to reinvent himself and do all these things. And he wants to have these crazy matches. He wants to bleed. He wants to start different stables. He wants to do all these things he couldn't do during what should have been the best years of his career. And to add on to that, too... That's not even taking away all the great stuff he did in WWE, even though he wasn't the guy. Think about that. Right. He did amazing shit in WWE TV, yet he wasn't the guy. All of fame career, easy. Mm -hmm. Two times over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Chris Jericho, one in, of the goats. I don't in care. In fact, if they, if they ever start get, putting feuds into the Hall of Fame, like if they ever start actually putting like two feuding wrestlers together for work they did over however many months, years, whatever, Jericho would probably be in there a couple more times. You yep. throw him in there with Shawn Michaels, yep. easy. Yep, 1,000%. I agree.
but yeah, so I feel like that's kind of what it is. Where because did, did you see that gruesome video that he posted of him being? They had to like yeah. pry him out of the barbed wire yeah. table, and it's just him screaming in utter pain. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm sure it was painful, but he also has to add a little bit more sauce oh, to it. He I, can, a, I, I know the fake screams. Yeah, and yeah, ah! yeah. <laughs> those are fake. Sorry. Like when he those, first those... landed on like the spider web, he just starts like you know shaking, like ah. ah! Yeah. He's adding a well, little off to it, but I'm sure it was painful. I'm not saying that it was not painful. Yeah, I feel like there's maybe you're adding a little to it, but there, there's definitely not. You don't you're, you don't need to fake that. <laughs> you definitely don't need to fake that shit. It's like going back to like when old people fall. Like there's a scream before. <laughs> the, before like it's like. <laughs> I'm still falling. I'm just out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, bro. <laughs> I think I'm gonna make a reel of what we were talking about Ric Flair, you know, like taking ten minutes <laughs> to fall. <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna make a reel of that. Either that or we take this audio and when he does actually fall for ten minutes, we just Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, this is so much fun, bro. Brady, thank you so much for fucking doing the podcast with us, man. The show bro, thank you for having me, man. Always a pleasure. Love the Lucha Outsiders, man. Yeah, Love man. you guys. Yeah, man. Thank you for filling in, bro. Uh Brady. Give me your plugs and anything you want to promote. Uh, take it away. You guys know what it is. You can find us at the Heel Marks everywhere. We're going to keep doing what we do. You guys keep doing it, too. There you go. Simple and easy. Uh, Leo. LosRadio.com. That's it, huh? That's all you got? That's all you got? That's, all? That's it? That's it? That's it? We're doing enough that you should be looking at what we're doing there to see go. if it fits there your you needs. See, that's what I wanted. I wanted a little bit more sasson there. You're looking for a show? We could do it. enough so you should look at the stuff. I thought he was about to rhyme, too. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that good off the top. Um, no, but th there's a lot of things that we're doing in the studio. And I always tell you guys, if you guys ever get a chance, come to the studio. We're doing production now. We're actually started two new shows. So, yeah. And, and also download the app. Yeah, maybe, there you go. maybe we can get some of uh, Brady stuff that we were talking about. There you go. Dale. We can do that. Do it. Okay, you can follow me at RatedR since 87, but make sure you follow us at Lucha Outsiders everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you miss anything or everything on today's episode, make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast version of the show. iTunes, SoundCloud, you want to be fancy, Apple Podcasts, tune in, La Mescla app, LosRadio.com, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast needs, and that is it. There you go. There you go. Woo! There you go. There you go. So, so he saw Patrick Ewan get. Oh, look pooed. at the look at the doggy. Oh, look, look at the doggy. Oh, look at puppy. Look at the pupper. Hey, look at the pupper. He's just chilling. He is chilling one thousand percent. I I love the fact that the dog just hung out with you during the whole recording. The entire time. He looks like he's going to fall like Ric Flair. Like, uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> Four days. Oh, my God. Yeah, man. I'm really more I'm really more excited and intrigued about this Ric Flair last match card than I am for SummerSlam. It should be interesting. Yeah. 100%. It's going to be fun. How's this heat wave treating you, Brady? Bro. You know what's funny? So I'm actually, I'm dog sitting. This is my sister's dog. Right. And I'm dog sitting right now. They told me when I got here that the building's AC was going to be out the entire weekend. No. That's fucking brutal. I literally thought I was going to die. Luckily, the AC, it, it's not 
doesn't it's not working working but there's some air coming from it so i'm getting something also they've got like a few fans that i positioned strategically so i'm actually hanging in uh outside it's fucking ridiculous i gotta like wear a hat to protect myself bro so i'm about to get skin cancer this sun yeah my my wife said let's go to the lake i was like nope (laughs) this heat is just brutal this heat wave sucks it needs to really end soon Oh. Yesterday, I actually went kayaking for like a little bit. Literally, uh, that's awesome. I, that's awesome. Hold on. All right, Ready. for the old Ready. man Leo, Woo. for yeah. Ryan Radar, that's not here. Let's go. For Brady Woo. from the Heel Marks, I'm yeah. yours truly, Mr. Radar. Yeah. Keep Radar and stay to the week. And good night, Ben. There we go.